What's up, everyone? You are tuning into another edition of Kicking Out at Twos. We have a special watch party planned for you this week. I'm your host, Dave Rosenbluth, and we're going to be covering WCW Spring Stampede 1997. You guys voted for it in the poll on both Facebook and Twitter, which, by the way, I want to thank you guys all for participating in that over at Facebook.com forward slash Kicking Out at Two, as well as our Twitter handle at Kicking Out Two. Um, got a great response. Some of you guys wanted to see spring stampede 98 some wanted to see 99 2000 didn't even make the cut because everyone knew it sucked but 97 took uh, took away the victory so uh, we're going to be watching that on the wwe network you can search for wcw spring stampede 1997 under the wcw pay-per-view section the date was april the 6th 1997 and while you guys are doing that I can't do this watch party alone. Um, I brought my good buddy Dennis J. Levy with me on board here for this uh, this special WCW Spring Stampede watch party. Dennis, what's going on, man? Just chilling. Always a pleasure. I'm excited for this one. This is uh, I would not I would not say it's one of my favorites, but it's a good. It's definitely a good pay per view. Yeah, it's 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 a very. Um, underrated pay-per-view in my opinion there's some really good stuff and there's some stuff that'll make you scratch your head of course um, because that's you know what wcw did but um you know uh you know it was in the time period where they were red hot in 1997 with the nwo storyline and uh you know the the all the moving parts that was going on within the company with the cruiserweights and and you know the the, the mid card like they were firing on all cylinders and so um this is a, a good example of what you know wcw was uh was all about with this event so without further ado like i said head over to the uh, wwe network if you're not logged in log yourself in and you're going to find spring stampede 1997 april the 6th of that year um in the wcw pay-per-view section and you're going to bypass the television rating as well as um the, uh, the 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 commercial for Sherman toilet paper or whatever the uh, whatever the case may be, um, and I'll give you guys a little bit of a countdown here. Just waiting to pass through. I'm I'm doing the same thing as well. I'm also bypassing the uh, the the TV rating as well. All right. So the event runs two hours, forty two minutes, and thirty three seconds. You're gonna get to uh, in, indulge yourself um, in this event with our alternate commentary. Don't forget, hit that mute button on your remote so you can hear us and not Tony Schiavone, Dusty Rhodes, and Bobby the Brain Heenan. So without further ado, in five, four, three. Two, one, hit play as we open here. Uh, the, the Spring Stampede had a, a Western theme to it. Um, this is this would be the second Spring Stampede event. The first one was in 1994, which we covered last week in our Trading Places series. And they skipped two years, but brought it back for, for 1997 here. Um, what did you think of the Western cowboy theme for this event, Dennis? Oh, I, I, I love it. What I'm thinking about, like, you know, one of my favorite things is, is gimmick commentators. Okay. I hope they have a, I hope they're dressed up as Westerners. I don't remember I don't remember if they did or not. They, you know, dress up as cowboys per se. That that uh, that uh, do you remember that? Did we have gimmick commentary in, in this one? Um, on this event, no. There was the they did not get all dressed up. Oh, that's too bad. I think Dusty wore a cowboy hat, but Dusty always wore a cowboy yeah. hat because he was Dusty Rhodes. Um, but it wasn't like um. 
for instance, when like they did Bash at the Beach and the guys would wear like exactly. Hawaiian shirts, or <clears throat> excuse me, if they did um, the uh, the the pay per view with the motorcycles, um, yeah. Mount Sturgis, and they all wore like the biker vests and and the and the biker hat. Um, here we are live from Tupelo, Mississippi. Um, you see, we talked about the western theme, the production, and the 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 entryway and the set, uh, littered with a, a very western themeish. Even the the commentators table there. Actually, yeah. no, Dusty is not wearing a cap. No, he's wearing hat. a cap. He's wearing a baseball cap, a yeah. WCW baseball cap. Oh wait, you know what? There's a little western flair too. You see Bobby Heenan's uh, little uh, rhinestone. I guess uh, so. You know, cowboy tie. I'm disappointed. Yeah, no, I get you. I I, I mean, you kind of wanna. You know, get caught up in the uh, yeah. the, the theatrics of it here. Um, uh, you know, I've talked about it a little bit. I've always enjoyed the look of WCW sets. It's what kind of made them stand out from, you know, WWF at that time where they, like you said, bash at the beach, you come out, you're walking on, like, the sand of the beach and the, the backdrop with yeah. the palm trees. This year, you're walking out of a barn or the rodeo and you got the, the haystacks and the... The, the the saloon and just the look of it itself. I mean, we'll sh we'll we'll get a look at it as um as this show goes on here. But they 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 open this show here um talking about the world tag team title match that is set to um set to take place between the Outsiders Hall and Nash against Rick and Scott the Steiner brothers. Uh, Tony Schiavone informing the audience that Scott Hall is not in the building and WCW management uh, forcing. Kevin Nash to defend the titles by himself. No, no substitutions allowed um, against the Steiner brothers here. Um, so. I don't remember. Was this uh, a kayfabe or just because of his uh, alcohol issues? Well, they, they, he did go. He did have a stint in rehab uh, during this time period, so he was out. He was out of the. Um, he, he was on TV for for a number of weeks. Um, on a recent uh, episode of uh, eighty three weeks with Eric Bischoff, they covered this event and. Um, Bischoff had said that, um, in hindsight, they probably should have, uh, you know, pivoted and come up with a different plan, but they held out hope that Scott Hall was going to be a part of this event, despite the fact that he hadn't shown up to work for a number of weeks, um, and he, this was one of his early stints in rehab, uh, that was paid for by the company. Um, so, uh, they, they advertised him thinking he was gonna you know at the 11th hour show up and he didn't oh look at it there's a cactus there all right next to next to bobby heenan i love the set i really do it's that, that i'm just disappointed that there's no gimmick commentary anyway i'm yeah, over it now. so they didn't so they didn't oh, they didn't tell the the viewers at home that you know hall was in rehab but they uh they they made mention that he didn't show up yeah. So that was that was the only excuse. But a lot of people had an idea. As we open here with uh, some cruiserweight action, the Ultimo Dragon. Uh, and how can you not love the Ultimate Dragon? Oh, he was great. I, I really enjoyed. Um, Absolutely. I, I really enjoyed his uh, his work. Um, you know when he uh, when he held. Uh, I don't know if you remember. He was managed by Sonny Ono. Yeah, of course. Uh, at one point, and he would he held like nine different championship belts. Yeah. He was like the original belt collector. Um, over Austin Aries, and of course, you know when you think cruiserweight wrestling, you think this individual here making his way out, Rey Mysterio Jr. Um, talk to me a little bit about um, cruiserweight wrestling, uh, because you know we see in today's today's landscape of wrestling, not just WWE but all over. I tell you what, I had never been I did that, when I was a kid. I was never that big of like the smaller wrestlers, Luch. Uh, the uh, luchadors and the uh, all that stuff. The day they they won me over, 
It wasn't even a match. During it was, this period of time? Yeah, during this okay. period. It actually was this period of time where, where I finally said, I was a teenager, I finally said, wow, I like, I'm starting to like these guys. It wasn't a match. It was when the NWO did the invasion and Ray jumped off. That uh, jumped off, uh, jumped off the that trailer. trailer yep. Got caught and got thrown by a, like a dart and landed. Oh, I'm yeah. like, how can you not respect him? Yeah. And, and, and so Ray Mysterio, and, and, uh, that uh, really is was the first one to grab my attention for like this style, and, and he got me hooked. He really did. I'm glad I opened my mind. I finally got got off like you know everyone has to look like Hulk Hogan, the Ultimate Warrior, or the Giant. That that. Uh, that uh, like these guys could go, and and, and I'm glad I am glad they he opened up a new uh like like uh, like uh, revenue horizons. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Now I'll be honest with you, I, I enjoyed it. It was um it was it, it was fast paced, and uh, you know I always like to think of myself as um as I've gotten older as a um you know I liked all kinds of wrestling, not just you know the bigger guys, but you know I like the smaller guys too, and the guys that move around quickly, um, the technicians, the brawlers. Like you know wrestling's a variety show. You gotta yeah. have a little bit of everything, and I think WCW did a great job of doing that during this time period. Um, here um, in 1997, they were at the the cruiserweights were at its peak. Um, you not only saw nowadays you see. With WWE, at least, um, with their 205 Live brand, um, they have you know one, a one show dedicated to all those guys. And I've heard good things about it. It has improved. Um, but for whatever reason, it's just not performing really well. I just, I just um, think it's too much. Like, for me, I can't... I, I'm not into 205 Live because, you, you know, you have Monday night, Tuesday night, uh, that, that SmackDown and Raw... Yeah, Wednesday, which was my favorite, but that that uh, I love NXT. Yep. I love NXT at the UK, you know. Uh-huh. And then on Thursday, I, I don't have the channels, but but by night I I can I catch up on what Impact Wrestling did on YouTube, and yeah, it's just too much, man. Oh, it's a lot. Yeah, it's a lot to consume. Trust me, I don't catch everything either. You know, um, I, I try to watch as much as I can within reason uh, due to my schedule, my personal life, but. Um, with with these guys here, with the with with the two hundred five live guys um, in WWE, um, you know, I feel like there's no. I mean, maybe I gotta watch it a little bit more, but I feel like there's no real depth to the stories. It's like the guys are just going out there competing, um, which is good in some sense, but at the same time, I, I would like to see a little bit more, um, you know, depth to the storytelling. Um, you know, have a little bit more of a reason to 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 have a match against this guy as opposed to just throwing two guys out there. There's instances where it should, where that situation works. And there's other instances where people want a little more to the story. I'd like, I would like to think that I'd like a good balance of both, um, when it comes to two Oh five live, but this cruiserweight style here, um, was heavily influenced, um, by you know the likes of Juicy Thunder Liger and the yeah. Dynamite Kid and Brian Pillman, um, names like that that eventually you know brought it to a mainstream level in the United States in, in 1997 with the cruiserweight division in WCW. But then it morphed and you know because these cruiserweights had such a, a a big platform to perform on at that time in WCW, it eventually has influenced a lot of today's style 
across the board, not just 205 Live, but Ring of Honor and New Japan and NXT and um, even some parts of the main roster, like Raw and SmackDown and WWE. Like, you, this style of wrestling um, has really made a mark on, on today's wrestling scene. I think that's a good point. That, uh, that, that this would definitely was obviously, in my opinion, this was like uh, that, that. I know everyone who grew up in their in their uh, that that uh, would that that uh, when you're teenagers, where where era of wrestling when you're a teenager, you're gonna say that's the best style of wrestling. But for cruiserweights, I really, really, really believe that this is the best era of cruiserweights. So, so yeah, to this day, I totally agree that they, that that uh, that people try to copy. The, the the cruiserweights of this era for sure. Yeah, I mean, there's but there's a little more diversity with the characters. You know, you had the Luchadors, you had Ultimo Dragon, Rey Mysterio, Juventud Guerrero, Psychosis, Jericho worked in the cruiserweight division, Dean Malenko, who we'll see later on on this show. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> excuse me, Eddie Guerrero. Um, you had more diversity when it came to the characters in in the cruiserweights. Now you see a lot of the same guys. They you know they look the same. Um, you know, in some cases, there's there's nothing wrong with that. But the, at the same time, people who like diversity, they're going to look at it. And it's like, well, that guy just did that same move in the last match. You know? Yeah, good um, point. So I think there needs to be a little bit more diversity when it comes to 205 Live. I'm not discounting, you know, the the, the performers and yeah. their their athletic ability whatsoever. But I do think there needs to be a good balance of um, presenting it like an athletic sport as well as having some characters, yeah. you know, like you got to find that good balance. I think that's what two Oh five is missing. Um, Oh, the great power bomb. Yeah. Oh, yeah that <laughs> run, nice running power bomb there by, uh, Ultimo dragon to Ray Mysterio. Um, during this time period, uh, what did you think of, um, Mysterio and dragon in the cruiserweight division? Oh, it's great, great stuff, man. My, my favorite, Matches were Malenko versus Ray. Yep. That that uh, and actually, I I guess it gets going ahead that that, that by uh, that uh, good. Dean Malenko was probably my favorite cruiserweight. That that uh, that uh, for, uh, for for definitely at least for WCW. Yep. Actually, my favorite favorite cruiserweight though uh, that that uh, in this era this era was actually the WWF Takami Shinuku. My he was my favorite. He really was. Taka. I love I yeah. like this finisher. I like that he did his, the flying stuff. I like that he grappled. He was just the perfect. It, 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 I think it was said if he if he was if he was seventy pounds heavier, he would have been a world champion. Talking really, about Malenko? No, I'm talking about I'm talking about Taka. Really? No, absolutely. Wow. You don't think his lack of English would, would have prevented that? I mean, you give him a manager, or whatever. That that I don't know. I was saying his wrestling ability. And uh, I really believe it was even better than Malenko. I, some people might think that's crazy to say, but but just to think for example that 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 Vince one day just said to put I forgot what the other guy was that that it was on a it was on like an in your house show and he threw it together. Oh, uh, um, the the great Sasuke. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, he threw together <laughs> this match and he's like, it's like if you guys suck, we're, you're not gonna be go, you're never gonna be seen again. If you guys are good. We're gonna continue you. That match was so freaking good. Yeah, it was. That, 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 that he said we need, we need, we need a division like this. Yeah. That that uh, that that. So yeah, I really do believe. 
Taka was the creme la creme of the uh, cruiserweights at that time. Yeah, then, that, uh, that was the light heavyweight division yep. in the in the WWF. That was their answer to, um, <clears throat> excuse me, um, this this division here in, in WCW with the cruiserweights. Um, yeah, that was a great match. You go back yeah. and watch that. That was from the the In Your House Canadian Stampede in July of 1997, just a few short months after this event. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> one of the, uh, the 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 better pay-per-views I think um, it's, it's, of that time in WWF. Yeah. But this year, um, these two are no strangers to each other during that time period as well. Um, I believe it was in August of 96 at the the Road the Hog Wild or Road Wild pay-per-view, the one they had in Sturgis Outdoors. Um, oh, that was great. I totally these, forgot about These two match. had a great match. That was that, a great match. event as well. And Mysterio was fairly new um, to, to the promotion. He was just a few months in, um, at, you know, very young age. I want to say like 19, 20 years old. Is that really? Uh, yeah. Like he is, like he was young when, like he's young in this. I, this like is, this is over 20 years ago. So he's probably like 20, 21 maybe in this match. I, yeah. I, I could be wrong. But Malenko, um, Malenko brought, this is where the diversity comes in. Okay, Malenko brought that methodical, slow, technical style to the cruiserweight matches. He was he was the mechanic. He was the technician. He was the one that slowed down all the flyers, uh, um, which and he, his look, that Iceman look with like the blank stare and his music when he would come down to the ring. Like he was just very um, he, he was very believable, even for a guy at, at his size. So um, he was, you know, the, the the big the big heel during the cru- during the cruiserweight era, um, and he played it up very well. His style complemented a lot of these guys. If you go back and watch, you know, Malenko's matches in the cruiserweight division, obviously the greats. The great matches he had with Rey Mysterio, but with Ultimo Dragon, with um, with Six, uh, One Two Three Kid, X Pac, yeah. um, you know Juventud Guerrero, Psychosis, Jericho. There's great stuff he did with Jericho a year after this. Um, Malenko, in my opinion, when it comes to the cruiserweights, doesn't get talked about enough. Everyone mentions Mysterio and you know um, all the the, the mass wrestlers, but Malenko doesn't get talked about enough for his contributions to the cruiserweights. Uh, that's that's fair, I guess. That uh, that uh, I guess his um, reason why people kind of he gets lost in the shuffle a little bit for being one of the great cruiserweights is that because he went for the TV title, and he went for the the US title. Yeah. That that, that uh, he wasn't stuck in one division. That's yeah. That's that's a good point. Um, you know, he he actually defends the US title on the show later on uh, against Chris Benoit. Um, as we see Lee Marshall trying to get a word with uh, Six. Always love Lee. Um. His voice, yeah, he had a he had a great voice for for wrestling announcing. Do you know that he did the uh, the voice for uh, the uh, the Tony the Tiger, the Frosted Flakes commercial? No freaking way! Yeah, that was Lee Marshall. That was Lee Marshall. <laughs> yep, yeah, Lee Marshall was Tony the Tiger. They're great, and he also um, was the ring announcer for uh, WrestleMania two in Los Angeles. I didn't know that either. Yeah, he, he's an L.A. boy. Okay. Um, he's no longer with us, unfortunately. Lee died, huh? Yeah, Lee died a few years back. A um, number of years back. I forget when exactly. Uh, but, yeah, he was a, a ring announcer for um, for uh, the Los Angeles portion of WrestleMania two, And uh, he also did some ring announcing for the AWA as well yeah. um, before he was, like, the backstage um, announcer here in WCW. That was my first exposure to him was... WCW, um, 
he would, I, he would eventually be like the third guy in the booth on yeah. thund, on Thunder for a while, and um, I think he should have been. I, I think he d- did way better than Tony Giovanni. I that uh, that's just me. Yeah, I mean, I, I I'm I'm a I'm, I mean, a, I'm I guess, a sucker for Tony because I think Tony brought like a a very um, like sports like um, style to his commentary. Yeah, I, I think he's good, but I mean, like I said, I think Lee Marshall. Oh, he was amazing. He was he was good. He like I said, he had a great yeah. voice. Um, I felt like you know when he was on when he did the um, the commentary on Thunder. I felt like he wasn't a good fit there with the other two because a lot of those guys were talking over each other. And yeah. Lee had such a voice that, like, you had to pay attention to it, and there was just too much going on in the commentary. Ooh, Whoa, nice, that was awesome. Nice counter with that dropkick by <laughs> that awesome. Dragon to Mysterio here. This has been a great match so far. Absolutely. We, I know we've been talking a lot about Cruiserweight Wrestling, but this has been a great match so far to open up this pay-per-view. Yeah. Um, yeah, and you remember when Lee used to do the uh, the 1-800-collect-road-reports? Of course, yeah. Yeah, they used to... Uh, uh, and also the um, the nitro stuff too. The um, like you we go to those, those universities and be like we're having the nitro parties. The nitro parties, yes. <laughs> yeah. I just found out recently um, on a, an episode of uh, eighty three weeks with Eric Bischoff that um, you know they they staged um, <clears throat> the first nitro party that they ever uh, really yeah because they wanted to get like they wanted to they wanted to incorporate something into the show that like got the audience engaged with the with the, the the presentation. So they staged a nitro party. They had somebody that worked for Turner yeah. throw a nitro party and it caught on and then fans were actually doing their own nitro parties. And then that's when they turned it into like a big contest here. Nice counter one, two, kick out here, counter again, sunset flip two, kick out. Fans are pretty into that sequence there. This this series of uh movesets is uh Oh, look at that. Backflip, yeah. kick, Inseguri to the back of the head by Dragon and Mysterio. Kick out. But yeah, the uh, the Nitro parties were um, originally staged, and then it caught on, and fans were just throwing their own Nitro parties. So yeah, those used to be a lot of fun, too. You yeah. used to see like the, um, all the fans getting dressed up, watching Nitro. Was it random? Did they just went to random places, or did you have to like win a contest or something? I think you had to win a contest. I think so too. I just vaguely. They I did like I... a lot. They did a big like college tour. Yeah, I remember that. Um, oh, great in-ring awareness by Mysterio yeah. there, foot under the bottom rope after uh, taking that um, top rope Huracan Rana from Ultimo Dragon. All right, Tony, is this for the title? No, this is not for the title. I, just, um, I don't think so. Yeah, the, the the title wasn't on the line here. Um, I want to say the cruiserweight champion at this time was six, and he was part of the NWO. Uh, he wasn't def- he wasn't defending the belt all that much. Um, six was never my favorite. Yeah, it was okay. Um, and oh, we wow, got a victory. That was a good finish. Yeah, that was a good finish. Crowd crowd pretty into it there yeah. as Mysterio gets the victory over Ultimo Dragon in this 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 pretty good opener. Um, and that was the other thing too. The cruiserweights were always good to get like the show started. Like that was Bischoff's intention. Like start off hot, get the action going. Like I want to see a car crash and get the people into it so it sets the pace for the rest of the show. Yeah. Um Stereo here with the victory. Uh Mysterio, uh, you know, recently coming back to WWE, um, 
had a uh, less than impressive uh, he was hurt. performance with Samoa Joe at WrestleMania. Oh uh, yeah, no, I get it. He was hurt. I mean, and I understand it's a long show. You got someone's got to someone's got to take the L when it comes to yeah. losing time on their matches. But I mean, I guess it was convenient the fact that he was hurt. Um, and I kind of liked it too. He the, he botched the move and then wham, he right into the uh, the 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 Joe the, capitalized. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, that was a good... Yeah, I was looking forward to that match because the, the two different styles, and I'm a big Samoa Joe guy. Um, hopefully they do more with um, with Ray and Joe. Uh, we're back here. There's Lee again. There's Lee again, trying to get a word. <laughs> you know, he wants to he wants to get a word with Kevin Nash from the NWO. Nash has asked for um, a, uh, a public forum to speak on the incident with, uh, you know, finding out that he's going to have to face the Steiners by himself. And speaking of which, here they are, the Steiner brothers... Not very happy. Um, they want a piece of Hall and Nash, but Hall obviously not there. And this is right here where we see Nash. Look at that six right there in the <laughs> background poking his head. Look at that sweet mullet on Scott Steiner. Oh, right in the face. Steiner nails him, and now we have Doug Dillinger macing Scott Steiner. And this is what was cool about stuff like this at the time in WCW. They spared no expense when it came to situations like this. They yeah. used real cops. They didn't use, like, the rent cops that, That's like, true. WWE uses now. Um, and actually, Doug Dillinger, who was the head of security at that time for WCW, was a real police officer. He was a Charlotte um, He was a Charlotte cop. So I think the other guy, too, in the, 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 the denim outfit that's restraining Steiner. He was yeah, a, he was I did pop, though, as with, well. with Triple H, though, with the Triple H, uh, um, Batista, when they're doing like, one of their first promos, yeah. when Batista has security, and he goes, will you get that, the, the Guardians of the Indies out of here? Yeah, and, that was a pretty cool comment, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, here we go, up your alley, a ladies match. Yeah. Medusa. Always been a big fan. Oh, I love Medusa. When I was a kid, I had a crush on her. Oh, everyone did. Yeah, she, yeah. And it's too bad that, like, the way that her career kind of took a nosedive yeah. after after throwing the, the belt in the trash. I can't believe Vincent didn't, didn't, didn't see, like... I would actually would appreciate... I, I mean, I wouldn't appreciate anyone throw, throw, throw my promotion's belt in the trash. But I'd be like, wow, that's very clever. I would actually, like... I, I don't know. I would have had a black belt for that. And obviously, it was probably WCW. She probably didn't say, hey, I got this idea. It was probably WCW that said, no, hey. No, Bischoff told... Yeah, I've heard the story before. She called Bischoff because her... her, her um, She was looking for a job. Her deal was up. Yeah, she was looking for a job, and she said, well, I got the belt, and uh, I'm going to return it. And Bischoff's like, no, bring the belt with you. And then basically told her that, uh, you know, you're going to throw it in the trash on TV. And this was the, um, this was the sad attempt by WCW at this time to... Um, to, to feature the women. This was the WCW yeah. Ladies Championship. I here. love Akira Hokuto. I really do. She's a great, great wrestler. But the, the, one of the greatest that ever lived. I, the, the, the apples to apples, she's even a better wrestler than Medusa. She really is. Oh, yeah. but, technically but, sound, yeah. Absolutely. But, but, but with that being said, the belt's on the wrong girl. That was the death of the, the WCW Women's Division. They They picked the wrong girl. They really did. Yeah, um, they didn't really have like the foresight to um, to to plan ahead when it came to this women's division. They just kind of threw it together, um, which is sad because I felt like you know, um, you know, Medusa left WWF because they weren't putting forth effort in yeah. showcasing the women. WCW 
had a plan to do it. She sabotaged her own career by throwing the competition's belt in the trash on national television, and then they hardly did anything with her. Like, at one point, I think she was, like, the girlfriend of Colonel Robert Parker um, in the storyline with Sensational Sherry. Yeah. And then, like, they hardly did anything with her. And then they had this, and, like, this was, like, a few months, like, of of her, you know, battling for the... Um, the, the, the women's championship. I believe she had also a match with uh, Bull Nakano in yeah, WCW yeah. at one point. Yeah. Um, but I want to say good and edge. She never won the WCW title. Yeah. It was, that's stupid. Yeah. The, the, um, the championship after this didn't last very long. Um, Akira Hokuto would um, vacate the title and go back to Japan. I don't know if it was a work visa issue or uh, whatever the case is, but she was... Um, after this, after this match, um, she would vacate the title. Spoiler alert: she kept the belt. Um, for those of you that are keeping score, yeah. Um, but oh uh, Jesus, throwing yeah. her around, ragdolling her. I was mentioning it, that 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 uh, definitely correct me if I'm wrong, Dave. But Medusa never won the WCW uh, Women's Title, right? Nope, she did not. That's like crazy. I said, after after this event, it was about two months later. Um, Hokuto vacated the title, and they didn't do anything with. Um, with the, uh, the the belt after that. Um, and Medusa's role was very, very limited um, in WCW during this run. Like like I said, little spots here yeah. and there. Like I said, she was... And she part of the Madness team. Yeah, she, yeah that's, she had the Madness team with Randy Savage in 99, mm-hmm. but um, she was helping train some of the girls um, at the power plant, but they paid her to do a lot of nothing. Yeah. Um, you know... <laughs> That's a good quote. I like that. So I, uh, you know, it's unfortunate because yeah. when when I was younger and she was like, my first exposure to her was uh, Dangerous Alliance with uh, Pauly Dangerously, and she was the oh, va- yeah, she was the valet to Rick Rude and and all the guys in the Dangerous yeah. Alliance. Oh man, she was a fucking smoke show. I was like yeah. as a kid, like whew, like it was her and Miss Elizabeth, and you know, as as my 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 two female crushes in wrestling. Um, I forgot about that, yeah. They had a match, didn't they? Her and Elizabeth? No, her and um, um, uh, uh, Polly Dangerously. Yes, they did. They <laughs> did, like, an intergender match in the 90s. Yeah. Um, there was actually a clip I just saw recently online um, of a promo that Heyman cut on her in 92. He said something about um, the only reason why you had, you had this job was because um, the hooker I had in mind... Uh, didn't return my phone call or something <laughs> like that yeah. and then basically just began to chastise her um but i believe that was at halloween havoc 1992 but okay. yeah medusa was um you know very she was one of those girls where and there's been there's been others since where she was waving the flag for women's wrestling and whatever you know the company wasn't putting forth the effort like for instance recently Beth Phoenix returned and teamed with uh, Natalia at WrestleMania. Yeah. Beth Phoenix wrestled for WWE for a number of years and she wrestled during an era where they didn't take women's wrestling seriously. She was like the only real serious women's wrestler on the roster. Um, so there's been a number of girls that um, had been kind of stuck in the Medusa slot where they they really pushed hard for women's wrestling to be showcased more and the company didn't have any have any real serious plans um it really broke my heart it's like the, the um look at this here slapping a woman yeah in 1997 holy cow yeah sunny ono 
But yeah, but what really made me upset was the um, the Sable era. That uh, when you had these good woman talent around, you had Jackie, Luna Vachon, Ivory, that, that who can go, and and you had the champion be Sable. Um, I I mean I get what you're saying from a, from an athletic standpoint. Sable yeah. didn't have an athletic bone in her body. She was drop dead gorgeous, but that was the reason why she got the belt because people people gravitated to Sable. I mean, Sable was over. You know, Sable was over. Oh, I, like, I told. I, so I, I, I get why they did it. I don't like. I, I'm like you. You know, like. Yeah, I would just be a valet. That 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 was her spot. Have her, you know, sell merchandise. You know what I mean? You know that have her to be the woman's champion. For fuck's uh, sake. I, I get it. Yeah. No, I'm 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 kind of there with you, but, you know, from a business standpoint, I understand. Nice drop kick by uh, by Ducey, to Akira Hokuto. And, um, and by the way, as much as um. That uh, I want to bring up uh, Tori Wilson's uh, Hall of Fame. Okay. That that uh, that uh, as much as as I I, I wanted other girls to, to get in way way before that uh, that uh, but uh, that uh, I'm just dumbfounded by but that 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 uh, that she kicked out of the German. You know what I mean? That was a nice German suplex. Yeah, it was beautiful. The yeah. ref should have should, should have paid attention to it. Sonny. That should have anyway. That's just me. But uh, what I'm trying to say is. She totally owned like who she was. She's like, yeah, the bad wrestler and all that stuff. Here comes Luna. Oh, yeah, Luna with the run in, kicking Dusa, yeah. Medusa, I should say, behind the back of the leg. Referee distracted, and we have a victory here as Akira Hokuto retaining the WCW Women's Championship. Yeah, and let's not sell the leg injury, Medusa. That's okay. Although Luna, it was kind of botched. Yeah, there, I will say, um, Luna kicked her and then. Medusa almost dropped, or she did drop. But it starts the um, Luna Luna Medusa feud. They, which, they had good which, matches, which didn't last very long either. That's, yeah. That was another thing that Bischoff had mentioned on that recent eighty-three weeks. He didn't really have a plan, and uh, you know, he didn't think that Luna like fit, which I would thought was kind of crazy. That but, is crazy. But at the same time, though, like I guess there was a lot going on for him and for the company where like he couldn't put his his full focus and attention on everything you know like here see the replay kick the back of the leg oh oh it might have hurt yeah <laughs> but um you know you're right as far as Tori Wilson goes yeah. she owned it in her speech I loved I it I thought one of her I, I was not looking forward to her induction because I didn't think in terms of Hall of Fame career yeah that she had one like yeah she was a great looking girl and you know a lot of teenage boys had a thing for her um and her contributions to wrestling were solid, but I didn't think that they were Hall of Fame worthy. But Absolutely. then again, the WWE yeah. Hall of Fame is a, a lifetime achievement award. But you know yeah, what? Yeah, what did you, what did they Coco beware? They opened a can of worms. Yeah, for that, that and the Bushwhackers. Yeah, yeah the Bushwhackers. Yeah, yeah, they certainly opened up a can of worms. Got but um, the, you know, I, I'll say this much though: her speech won me over. I would have to say it's probably one of the best speeches of the night. I was gonna say that. I thought I thought it was speech. I yeah. thought it was the speech of the night. Yeah, I really did. So, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm, her speech made me feel okay with her going into the Hall of Fame. Me too. Well, but that it's funny that that, that uh, going in, I'm just like, if you want to, you want to put a girl in that era, you put in Stacey Keebler too. Stacey was way more over that she brought way more to the table. That, uh, but after that speech, I said, I'm a, I am a Tori Wilson fan. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I was always a fan of her. She was a great looking yeah. girl, but you know, I didn't think she des- she deserved to be in the Hall of Fame, and I know that's. To some, it's it's blasphemous yeah. for me to say, but um, 
And what's not blasphemous is uh, this individual here, Lord love, Stephen Regal. Love Mr. Regal. Um, who was another, who I talked about earlier. He was, in my opinion, at least at this time in WCW, he brought a good balance to the program with, you know, his style of wrestling and being in the mid card. What I did not like was this here. You know, like the Prince? Prince Iakea <laughs> as the TV champion. What the fuck? Yeah, I guess that is what the fuck a little bit. But I... I, had, I I didn't like his first gimmick, but his set his when he did the uh, the Prince gimmick, I loved it. Oh, the artist formerly known as yeah, that wasn't bad. That was all right. Um, but yeah, this year I was kind of like baffled. Like, um, you know, story here behind his his run as TV champion, he would defeat Regal in uh, February of that year on an edition of Monday Nitro to become the TV champion and. Um, I guess it was, um, I guess it was Terry Taylor and Eric Bischoff that, that saw some potential in him and wanted to run with this push. Um, I mean, athletically he's not bad, but I don't know the character. I just didn't, I always looked at him as like a job guy. Yeah, definitely. You know? And then he wins the title and it got a great reaction, but after that, it just didn't do it for me. He just looks like a jobber, so I know what you mean. Yeah, I I don't know. I just, I wasn't, I I, I wasn't really into this, um, this storyline, this rivalry with these two. Um, yeah. But like I said, um, they they saw potential in him and they wanted to run with it. So I mean, you can't knock people. People say Bischoff had a um, a, a reputation for you know holding the young guys down, but I mean, Ike is living proof that you know he at least. Tried something with him, you know, yeah. gave him the TV title. But. I think when, when when people say that though, Bishop's hands are pretty tied. But those stupid contracts that 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 uh, had the the big guys have the, you know creative control over everything, it's tough to push the new guys. Yeah, um, but at the same time though, like people people blame Bishop for those contracts. Those contracts were in place before Bishop was president. Yeah. Well, a lot of those guys had um, guaranteed money and a lighter schedule. Um, the the only one that had the creative control was Hogan, um, you know, and a lot of people say that you know Savage had it, Sting had it, you know Luger had it, all these guys had it, but you know everyone else were politicians, they were sharks um, in the in the waters of WCW, and just Hogan just happened to be the biggest shark of them all because of the clause he had in this deal, but yeah. um, you know I mean let's face it, like at this time. The WWF was running more shows. They weren't making as much money. The money wasn't that good. The guaranteed money for, for those guys' contracts were not that great, whereas you had a little bit more stability with WCW. They had more money um, you know, in the payroll to finance larger contracts with you know, um, all the accommodations. A lot of the guys had a lot of the guys had airfare and hotel and transportation taken care of. Um, not everyone, but a lot of the guys did. And so, you know, working a lighter schedule, 150 to 180 days a year, as opposed to, you know, 280 to 300 days a year, you know, that the WWF was putting out. Like, yeah, it's a no-brainer that those guys are going to want to work somewhere. But everyone knew that it was like a country club. You, you did what you wanted. You know, you got paid to tell the boss what to do. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. You got paid to tell him to go straight to hell. You got paid to, to come to work when you wanted, you know? So, um... I heard those house shows was a nightmare. Their uh, live event business sucked because, 
most of those guys didn't work the live events unless it was like a big town. That Can you had. imagine doing your, your advertise? You get Hogan Savage, and, and then your main event's Steiner versus like, you know... Luger. Yeah, uh, yeah, versus yeah. six. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I get it. I, I totally get it. Like, their live event business was trash. Um, they focused a lot more on television. Um, and at that time, I mean, the, the, the business model when Bischoff took over in 95 was to, you know, break away from the live event business and focus more on television and producing television and making WCW more mainstream. Uh, but they never really picked up on the... They never really had um, consistent, steady success when it came to the, the house shows. Yeah. Um, you know what they did try? Uh, they, this was like a, the precursor to like podcasting. They did live events that were non-televised, and they aired them on WCW.com in like radio format. Did they? Yeah. They did them in bigger markets, though. So like they did like, um, you know, uh, Boston, Los Angeles. Long Island, Nassau Coliseum, um, Chicago, Dallas. Like they did Miami. They did like big markets um, where they would where they would broadcast these these events over their their live stream on WCWWrestling.com. Um, I remember as a kid, and you had to pay for them too. Oh, did you? Yeah, so you paid like, I think it was like fifteen ninety five or something. It was well, like, listen to a radio wrestling. It was like half the price of what you would pay for a pay-per-view at this yeah. time, which was like twenty four ninety five or twenty nine ninety five. Yeah. And you would, they had some pretty big matches too. They didn't disappoint. Like I was reading a report recently um, regarding the, that business model um, when I was doing research for the show, and they put out some big names. Like they had... Um, uh, Hogan and Sting in a cage in one of them. Um, they had like Hall, Nash, and Savage against like DDP, Luger, and Larry Zbysko. Um, you know, uh, the, here was an interesting one: the Steiner brothers against Raven and Saturn was one of the was one of the matches on okay. one of those those radio telecasts. Um, but yeah, there was you, there was some good there was some solid you know there was some solid matches on that card. Unfortunately, it wasn't televised; it was yeah. you know broadcasted. Um, like via you know internet radio at the time, do, but do you do you remember the uh, WWE radio? I do. And that that uh, that was cool. That 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 uh, that you can. Uh, and they didn't do like WrestleMania or nothing, but they did. Did they? Yeah. Okay, I know. I thought they didn't do like the big ones, but I they knew. Did, so they did. Yeah. They did I listened Star to Slam through WrestleMania. So, so ninety-three no. through WrestleMania ten. So I remember you could just go on your AM radio, AM radio, regular regular radio for yeah. free. And you can listen to, to the event and, and, you know, do the squiggly line wrestling but with my, oh, with my radio. Yeah. <laughs> and you got it perfectly. Like, 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 like you got, like, like you, like, almost, like, like saw you. Like, holy crap, yeah. I yeah. I, it, well, I mean, that was the thing in our house with those Swirls yeah. and Blues. We did a lot of the, the squiggly line, uh, you know, uh, pay-per-views. And my, my parents would come in the bedroom and be like, what are you guys doing? Mm -hmm. you, you can't see anything. I'm like, but it's like listening to wrestling on the radio. And yeah. they just, like, shake their heads. But, uh, but, you, but we did for a short while. When did that last? Like a year or two? It was like a year, yeah. Like the, I remember like JR and Gorilla Monsoon um, started it, um, Radio WWF, and they did it at SummerSlam 93, and I think it ended at WrestleMania 10 in 1994. Um, it's funny you mentioned that. There's an interesting story I just heard recently that, um, you know, in 93, JR was, before he signed with the WWF, he was doing a radio show in Atlanta. 
um, while he was under contract with WCW, and he was interviewing WWF guys on the radio show. And um, WCW had um, removed him from the broadcast team as well as the vice president of television at the time. Um, he was in charge of all the announcers. And he was do still doing the radio show, and then he asked for his release. So they gave it to him. Um, and the radio show, I don't remember if it had affiliation with Turner, but um, WCW tried to prevent JR from not only going to the WWF, but being able to work in radio for five years. They tried to get him like legally to sign a deal that if you're leaving, you're not allowed to do another radio show. Um, somewhere else so mu they must have been associated with the radio yep. program but um one of the big one of the big uh signing points for jr to sign with the wwf at that time in 93 and this is all hearsay but um was that he was going to be a part of the radio the ww the radio wwf and you know that like i said didn't last very long but um uh, he was he him and Gorilla Monsoon used to do it, and they used to even during the pay per views, they would cut to, um, they would have like Jr. and Gorilla call a match for Radio WWF. Yeah, it was during the '94 Royal Rumble. Razor Ramon wrestled uh, IRS for the Intercontinental Title, and Vince and DiBiase said, "All right, you guys are gonna check out Radio WWF right now with Jr. and uh, Gorilla Monsoon," and they called that match. Um, which is still on the uh, the, the network portion. It's here. funny. Who do you rather hear? You, you know. Uh, Vince and whoever they threw Ten together. Yeah, 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 or or or, or, or you know, JR Jim Ross Gorilla. and Gorilla. Come on. Yeah, no, that, and and they did, and they worked very well together. I was surprised because yeah. you know they had two different styles of broadcasting. But uh, I normally don't like two faces. Like, or he, I I forgot what, it, what I was listening to, but I actually had two heel commentators too. That's even worse. Oh, that, God, that, yeah. that, uh, you need a face and heel commentator. Yeah, you need someone to play it straight yeah. too. Yeah, yeah. No, I get what you're saying, but it also at the same time it kind of brings that like that very sports, um, you know, professional sports kind of feel to it because you don't have heel commentators in professional sports. Yeah, um, you don't really have guys that disagree with each other like in pro football or, or baseball um, here and there, but like. You know, it's not like it's not like watching wrestling where like you know the heel commentator sticks up for the heel wrestler yeah. and argues with the babyface commentator who sticks up for the babyface wrestler. So um, people argue and complain that wrestling needs to be a little bit more legitimized, like a sport, when it comes to presenting it. And WWE has done that in the last <laughs> few years. Hey, you missed that. That was awesome. That was pretty cool. Yeah. Hey, let's talk about Regal for a minute. We kind of went off track. Yeah, here, we did. Let's talk about Regal for a minute, who's got a um, very underrated performer. Um, I felt like, and I may be in the minority here, but I felt like, um, you know, if he got his act together, he could have been a main event player. I totally agree. You know, um, he was that good at, like, getting heat from the crowd and getting the people to really hate him and get behind the baby face. Like, even with this here, like, I think this was a perfect setup here um, with Iakea and Regal because Iakea was not established. He had that upset victory, and Regal was very established. Ooh, nice counter. One, two, three. That's that was a good. And that's yeah. the end of it right there. Yeah. Um, but I feel like Regal, you know, Regal working with Iakea was... Is he um, back? <laughs> yeah, shot to the back here. Nice uppercut. Back and forth here as the match is over. Prince Iakea retaining the WCW TV title. But Regal uh, was was 
did a good job at making the people care about Ikea, even yeah. though it wasn't sh- a strong sense of uh, a following for him. He d- he did a good job as a bad guy making people want to see him win. Love the Regal stretch too. That's a great that's a great move too. Yeah. There, I like that. Um, Regal currently uh, one of the top trainers and s- talent scouts for WWE. Um, down at the Performance Center in Orlando. Very instrumental in helping build the um, the UK show, as well as uh, NXT. He also yep. plays a role as the commissioner on NXT, the general manager, whatever you want to call him. Um, I'm surprised he never got the Warrior Award, Terrence Truth. The Warrior Award? Really? Yeah. yeah. Uh, like, you know, when you think of, like, people, like, behind the scenes who, like... The, does so much stuff like no one does more than that than Will- than William. You know what I mean? Um, but he also could go in the Hall of Fame based on his career alone. Yeah, if you think about it too, like the Warrior Awards more designed for people that like, you know, who are virtual unknowns that that don't get recognized and make a difference. Yeah, you know, for for their their contributions um, to the company and the industry, like that lady Sue Aitchinson that they put in recently, who was instrumental in brokering the partnership with WWE. And Special Olympics and the Make a Wish, you know, yeah. like it's it, that the, that's what the Warrior Award was meant for, uh, was for people like that. Regal, Regal, get it on his own merit with all the things he's done in his I career. Guess that's true. But see the replay here, nice little counter. That was really good. Prince Iakea over Lord Stephen Regal. Yeah, uh, yeah he, he crowd. Like I said, crowd was into it, but. Uh, yeah, I've always been a big fan of William Regal, no doubt about it. And I love that set one once again. Yeah, the the, the saloon. You I see like the 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 barrel in the background and the oh. the cactus. And what year was this? Oh, ninety seven. I was about to say, oh, Captain Jack kicks down like the pretend he's drunk or something. But yeah. Cactus Jack, yeah, yeah, yeah he yeah he would have had a field day with like a false count anywhere yeah. much for for this type of setting here. Gene Okerlund plugging the hotline because he used to get a piece of the action. Did he? Yeah. Good for him. Yeah, that was part of his deal. He was the one that like introduced the hotline to to to, to Bischoff when Bischoff was in charge, and he, yeah. and he said, you know, I used to do it in WWF, and um, so he introduced it. He got a piece of the action, so um, that was part of his contract as well. Yeah. From what I heard, he made good money just on the hotline alone. Never mind, never mind his regular contract. Yeah. With all his other duties here, um, I miss Mean Gene, man. I oh, really he was do. so good. I was supposed to meet him um, at the uh, the Pro Wrestle Fest uh, wrestling convention at Mohegan Sun in March. They ended up postponing that event, and that's a whole other shit show that I'm not going to get into in itself. But um, n- my wife Nikki bought me tickets to yeah. to meet Mean Gene, um, and then he passed away, and we had to we had to get a refund. But here's Slick Rick, the Nature Boy who at this time was out of action um, with uh, a rotator cuff injury, and this was um, his return. He was uh, he was coming back here to uh, make a big announcement and address his future in WCW, along with the rest of the Four Horsemen, as we see all these people holding up four fingers. Yep. But, um, yeah, the uh, this, 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 this promo here... Um, Sets up um, the next pay per view, the Slamboree pay per view, um, where he uh, he challenges the NWO, but um, he gives us an update on Arn Anderson, um, who would have to have neck surgery, which would eventually 
end his in-ring career. Um, also, at the same time, he he, he brings up, uh, you know, uh, Roddy Roddy Piper and Kevin Green, the football player, uh, who used to play for uh, the Carolina Panthers, yeah. Green Bay Packers, 49 Pittsburgh Steelers as well. Um, I, I thought Kevin Green for... For for like a uh, for like the a football player that became a star in football was the best like kind of like college wrestler uh, that 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 obviously there's been football guys that were uh, that didn't make it so much in the NFL come up and then become great wrestlers. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. Uh, that that uh, but for but for, for like NFL stars, I thought Kevin Green was the best. He was pretty good. Uh, he was certainly better than Mongo. Yep. Um, I mean, I liked Mongo's personality, but from an in-ring standpoint, like. I'd be bored to fucking tears watching his matches. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, this sets up here the, the like I said, Flair kind of addresses, you know, Kevin Green and Piper as, like, the guys he wants to team with to challenge the NWO, which I found interesting because he still had the other horsemen. You know, the horsemen wasn't disbanded at this point. Benoit was still a horseman. Mongo was still a horseman. They had Jeff Jarrett, who was still a horseman. Um, at one time or another. So um, he basically calls out, you know, the NWO. He says, Hogan, Hall, Nash, Six, yeah. Bischoff, Randy Savage, whoever, you know, come to Charlotte for Slamboree next month and, you know, well, you know you, you're all going to, you know, you're all going to pay pretty much. And, uh, you know, I'll bring Kevin Green and Roddy Piper <laughs> with me, which I thought was, like I said, don't get me wrong, Flair and Piper as a team is, you know, yeah, definitely an attraction, but you know you're you're in a way like minimizing your your teammates, the horsemen. Um, I just thought it was you know it would have helped maybe even the horsemen to um, to be a part of it. But eventually we would see Flair, Piper, and Kevin Green against Hall, Nash, and Six from Slamboree 1997, which was a great paper, uh, great main event by the way. It's something you should probably check out. Um, but I like like I said I. Um, I would have to agree with you. Kevin Green was very, was very good entertainer um, in the ring. Um, he brought that intensity. Yeah. And he certainly, like, Mongo was, like, slow and, like, just, I don't know. I just, I didn't care for Mongo's in-ring work. His personality was great. He was but, good on the mic. Yeah. yeah. He was good on the mic, but when it came to, you know, when the bell rang, like, forget about it, like... You know, he didn't he didn't do a whole lot in the presentation with Deborah. Like I thought that was cool. Um, Steve Mongo yeah. McMichael. Uh, was him and Deborah a real item? Yeah, they well, were. Yeah, they were married. It shows you like like how greasy the wrestling business is. Yeah, yeah. I don't know what led to their divorce. I really don't. Yeah. Um, I've not really heard any like major stories surrounding it, but. Um, she would eventually leave WCW yep. and go to the WWF and manage Jeff Jarrett and Owen Hart and then eventually marry um Because her and Jeff Jarrett, that was a real item too, wasn't it? No, they were not a real oh, item. Oh, okay. No, they were not a real item. They were just, they worked together. They were an on-screen um, couple there. For a while, I thought it was a real item, but Jarrett, yeah. Jarrett was married and had kids, and from what I understand... He, he kept it professional gotcha. when it came to her. <laughs> yeah, to um, her. Yeah, with to her. Yeah, not with Kurt Angle's yeah. wife. God, no. Um, but, I mean, he had lost his wife to cancer. So, I guess uh, he was searching for... Yeah, I know. I didn't know that. Yeah, that's sad. That is sad. Yeah, his wife battled cancer yeah. for a number of years. And in, in, the, in the Jared's defense, too, that that uh, that uh, I even... Uh, that, uh, I, I read 
I read tes- yeah. testimony on uh, on um, Kurt Angle's point of view, and he's like, "Well, we were getting divorced." Yeah, they, yeah, they, yeah. That wasn't like they were happily married, and all of yeah. a sudden, boom! Like she, she, she slept around with Jeff Jarrett. They were, they were going through some stuff as well, and Jarrett. Jarrett's involvement helped further along yeah. their, the, the demise of their marriage. But I hear that they're all in, in, in great, you know, they have a great relationship with, you know, co-parenting and between his girls and his two, his two or three girls and, you know, the kids that, you know, she has with, she's had with Kurt Angle. Um, they all get along. I mean, hell, Jarrett works behind the scenes for WWE now. Kurt Angle just retired recently from in-ring. He signed a new deal to work behind the scenes with them as well. Um, so things are... Um, you know, things are in a better place with them. Um, certainly, uh, uh, we're not in a better place about to watch this match. I'll say that. Um, you don't like Public Enemy, huh? Was not. I didn't didn't get it. I loved them. Didn't and get it. I, I was, actually didn't get why why they, they weren't over in the WWE. Tell you the truth, they were super over in ECW. You can tell they're they're over in WCW. Yeah. I never got why they didn't go over in WWF. I don't know. Um. Well, I heard that they kind of came in with like a bad attitude in WWF because they were so popular in ECW, and they did. It. I'll get. I'll, I'll give it to you. They they were popular in in WCW as well. Um, and I thought they could go. I really did. But the um, I guess they were kind of too big for their britches in WWF. There's a story out there that they had. Um, they had a match with um, the APA, Bradshaw and Ron Simmons, mm-hmm. and. They told Bradshaw and Ron Simmons that we're not laying down for you. We're not doing the job. And Bradshaw and Ron Simmons basically were told by management, you make sure they do the job. And they had this, like, hardcore, like, no disqualification tag team match. And they beat the shit out of yeah, them. Dude. They beat the shit that out of them. That was on Raw, guys. right? It was, like, Raw or yeah. Sunday Night Heat or something. Yeah. They destroyed those two and they were not in the company not long after that i think the last appearance they made was at like wrestlemania that year in 1999 and they were gone um they kind of put themselves in a position where they blackballed themselves uh, because of their attitude um in the wwf i i don't know if they i don't think they made it back to wcw i could be wrong but i don't remember them going back to wcw after that yeah actually you know what i think they did but I think it was. I think it was brief. I think it was short lived. I don't think it was. Um, I don't think it lasted very long. But um, the public enemy thing, yeah. Like I mean, in ECW, and you're an ECW guy. Like yeah. they had a cult following. Um, with that, they were huge. Yeah, they were. But um, they didn't. They, you know, I don't know. They just didn't do it for me. Like they really didn't. Um, what'd you think of Jeff Jarrett as a four horseman here? Oh, I hated it. Yeah, I, I really did. Yeah, that that uh, Jeff Jarrett. I always liked Jeff Jarrett, the singles wrestler, but like him, like in the stable and whatnot, that was never my favorite. But I guess I'd be a little hypocritical because because I did like Jeff Jarrett Owen Hart tag team. I loved that tag team. It was a solid team. Yeah. I loved. But other than that, I always prefer. I, I always prefer Jeff Jarrett by himself. I, and this four horsemen, other than the one with uh, Paul Romo, uh, that that is the worst, uh, the, the worst edition of the whole four horsemen. I would have thing. to agree with you there. Um, yeah, I didn't like this version of the horsemen. Um, I I was I was in I was into the older versions. Obviously, I liked um, Flair, Arn, Tully, and 
Lex. Yeah. I like Flair, Arn Tully, and Barry Windham. Um, even though this version was short-lived, I liked Flair, Arn, Benoit, and Brian Pillman. I thought that was really good. Yeah. Um, I forgot Pillman was the four. Yeah. Uh, but I did not like this version here with Mongo, and I didn't like... And the weird thing was, was that, like, th- I felt, even as a kid... It, I was very confused as to Jarrett being a member of the Horsemen because some weeks they would recognize him as a member of the Horsemen. They would call yeah. him a full Horseman. And other weeks they would be like, well, you haven't really earned your stripes, so you're not a Horseman. So it was, like, very confusing. I don't know if it was something that there was a miscommunication between the announcers and, you know, the, the guys that were booking it and, you know, the story that they were trying to tell. But there was – I just didn't – I didn't care for it. I yeah. didn't. Um, and the horseman felt like very this version of the horseman felt very um minor league at the time because Arn Anderson like I said earlier, Arn Anderson was out and he would eventually um his career would be over. And then uh we would see um flare out with an injury as well. So um you know, it was one of those things where uh where the horseman just didn't feel important, you know, like they the, the two main dogs in the horseman were Flair and Arn, but they didn't feel like they had an important presence on TV because both guys were gone and we were left with Deborah, Jeff Jarrett, Mongo, and Chris Benoit. Mm. So, um, yeah, to me, I, I this and the, the Paul Roma version of the horseman are the two worst. Yeah. Um, that they that they uh, that, that they had put together. I'd like to know why why they, did, did they think Paul Roma was going to be Roma was going to be uh, like I, I just don't get it man um, I still to this day I'm just so yeah, unfounded I, about that yeah I don't know either I'll be honest with you I really don't know um, I was a little confused myself um, but at the same time um, if you remember uh, Paul Roma had a brief run in the WWF with Hercules as Power and Glory. Yep. Um, so we, they were they were trying to make that into a um, uh, a credible team. What would they name? Um, even before that, he was with um, Jim Powers, the Young Stallions. Yeah, Young Stallions. Yeah. Thank you. Which they were a pretty fun team. Like I mean, they were like a a, a job tag team, but yeah. you know they were still. I don't know. I I, I thought they were. They, they they looked credible, you know. But I mean. It was what it was when it came to them. Um, But, yeah, the Roma thing, I think that they wanted to... I I could be mistaken, but I think they wanted to obviously make him... He had a good look. He was a good-looking kid, no doubt about it. solid in the ring. Absolutely. Um, I wouldn't say he was the best on the microphone, but, you know, I felt like because he had a... A decent run with Hercules and WWF as Power and Glory that like they wanted to kind of rebrand him and make him in many ways their own creation because for the longest time he was with the WWF he was doing jobs on TV and then they moved him into a serious role uh, with Hercules and that lasted for about like a year or so mm-hmm. and then he he, he disappeared, and WCW picked him up, and I think that was WCW's attempt at trying to... Oh, God, this is terrible. Yeah. That's awful there. Yeah. The timing, the miscommunication. This match this match is very sloppy. Um, another reason why I don't like the public enemy. <laughs> just, just too sloppy for me. Um, the, the one thing that's been driving me nuts about this match, every now and again, the, like, 
they're, they're, they're like, it'd be like, yeah, we did good. They, they've been high-fiving each other. And the, it's like, you know, hey, that's a tag. You know what I mean? That's been driving me nuts a little bit. Yeah, the, yeah the, the way that they, you know what I don't like in wrestling now? How they tag guys and they could tag any body part and the guy comes in the ring. So like yeah. you slap a guy in the shoulder or in the chest, like the referee recognizes that as a tag, you know? Like last time I checked, you tag someone with your hand, you tag them That's with your true. Hand, you know? Um, like, I, I don't like how it's, you know, oh, let me get, oh, hold on, he can't reach my hand, let me get his shoulder, let me get his foot, you know? Like, yeah. oh, like the blind tag. Like, in wrestling, back when we watched it, even during this era, if you gave a guy a blind tag, like, the guy who was receiving the blind tag would at least have his hand up. Now a guy will run the ropes, he won't even put his hand up, the guy will tag him on the shoulder, the referee recognizes the blind tag, and yeah. then he's in the ring, you know what I mean? Like, it's just, I, I get what you're saying there, yeah, like the... I know we would agree with you, but on WrestleMania, of course, the Iconics, right? Yep. That, that, that's how they kind of won the title. And, like, I kind of liked it. I really did. But that, uh, you, you know, get t- slapped. Uh, I think I think they did it right on, on uh, Beth, uh, Beth Phoenix's booty. Just, just oh, yeah. smacked it. Got, got in and, you know, boom, became champs. Yeah, I, I guess, like, it, it works in some situations. Like, you know, a situation like that. Where especially if it's facilitating a finish, like yeah. I get it, but you know if you're not gonna put any effort like to 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 be the as the recipient to accept the blind tag, then I don't know. But I guess hence that's, that's the reason why they call it a blind tag. I don't know. I just I'm not a big fan of it. Yeah. And, you know the 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 I like the holding of the tag rope. WCW didn't have tag ropes at the time, but I like when the guys hold the tag rope and you have to make the tag with the tag rope. Yeah. Dude, I'm not even see. Do you, are you seeing a tag rope here? No, they don't have one here. Yeah, they, they, I don't, I don't think they ever had one. Um, I yeah. actually did see it recently on I want to see SmackDown. That 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 uh, they definitely WWE still does have uh, tag ropes. I yeah, they still do. They yeah. they they um, I know that they've been toying with the idea of trying to um, uh, put a little more structure with the rules in the tag team matches. I remember at one point on Raw a, a while back they wanted to. Um, they wanted to institute the one save rule where a tag team was allowed to save their their partner in a kickout one time each match. Okay. Um, I like that rule. That's not bad. And but, if you do it uh, again, you're disqualified. Yeah, there's okay. something, something like that, yeah. They, they, they tried it once, and they never followed up on it. Um, I don't know if that's something they're going to look into in the future, but it kind of... Um, it, it, it helps create a little more structure, unlike in this match here, where there's literally no structure, as we see the split-screen shot of... Uh, That's stupid. Deborah paintbrushing Johnny Grunge while Rocco Rock is uh, going... Uh, go, taking a trip to the barn. Um, oh! Chair to the back. Deborah on the table. I, I'll, I'll admit that this match... Oh, you no know, totally no-sold the, uh, the chair shot. Oh, see, that was the thing I too then, like, about... <laughs> public enemy is like you could put them through all these tables and then they get up and it's like la di da di da we like to party it's yeah. like you know I do like this because because I, I don't remember this match right here in the god I guarantee he's gonna miss this he's gonna do the flip yeah, I did I always like the spot Wee! Oh no! Oh, he's elbow dropped. Oh. He went through. Nobody does a flip, and it looks cool. Yeah, when they do like the the he stands on the one guy's shoulders. Yeah, and does like the yeah. Never understood why they put tape on the tables. Too. I never saw that. <laughs> yeah, there's tape on those tables uh, there. Um, but yeah, this this has gotten a little out of control. As, yeah. Like you said, it, this match has no structure. Just end it. Yeah, one, 
to oh yeah. and he makes the save. He literally was right behind him. <laughs> yeah. Referee not in place and a a shitty count. And there he goes and crunches right back up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there's no there's definitely no philosophy in this match. And it wasn't like this was billed as like a no disqualification match either. Like this yeah. wasn't. It was a regular tag team match. And they put these two they put these two teams together and one's Full, you know, yeah. one's going through a table, the other one's all the way down the aisle beating the other one up. Like the five seconds ago, Deborah tripped out. Uh, um, oh, what was that? Rock or Rock? Yeah. That that, that uh, and he just got up, like he looked at her, and now they're beating the crap out of Mongo. Like just, you're this. Oh my Look god! At this. God, yeah. awful. That's a shitty blind tag. My goodness. Man, when's this shit gonna be over? Yeah, this is a bad match. When's this just going to end? Jarrett's the only bright spot in there with yeah. the athletic ability. The other three, holy cow. Those like, drop kicks are good. Yeah, Jarrett was good with the drop kicks. Yeah. Certainly was. I liked how they, they brought back the double J thing briefly earlier this year when he was the surprise in the Royal Rumble. I thought that was kind of cool. Yeah. Um, then doing the stuff with Elias. What are you doing? Oh, the worst clothesline in all of <laughs> captivity by Steve Mongo McMichael. Please well, Rocker Rock's got a... What, a briefcase yeah, or something? Yeah, he's got the Halliburton that's that's got a few miles on it, just judging by the, the dents in it. Yeah. What the? Oh, and my that's goodness. the finish? And who jumps off the bottom rope? <laughs> For real. Who Was that off? the bottom rope? I wasn't really paying yeah, attention. Yeah, he jumped off the bottom rope. Who jumps oh, off Jesus the bottom Jesus Christ. That's a pin? That's it? That's a pin. Oh, oh, okay, he's got him in the figure four. But, oh, my goodness. That's it. Thank God this yeah. match is over. Holy shit. That was fucking brutal. All right, so so this match is definitely not... <laughs> so far, it's the worst one we've watched. Absolutely. Yeah, the worst one we've watched on this show here. I think the fans... I still like Public Enemy. Yeah. The, the, uh, this just wasn't... I still don't, but that's okay. <laughs> like him versus... Him versus like Harlem Heat. Those were some good matches. I don't care what anyone says. There is, there is a couple of Public Enemy matches I do like. Um, the 1996... Uh, uh, bash at the beach match with the nasty boys that double dog collar match that was a lot of fun because um, those guys beat the crap out of each other you see the replay here see look all that tape that's yeah. on the table oh, I yeah. have the tape on the table <laughs> I don't know who the fuck came up with that idea and then oh, they had a match at the uncensored 1995 against Harlem Heat it was like a like a, a Falls Count anyway, a Texas Tornado kind of rules match. Yeah. And they ended up making it to, like, the hot dog area. And, like, they're all slipping and sliding on, like, ketchup and mustard. Oh, and I remember like, that, yeah. Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> Sh- Sherry took, like, Sherry took the best bumps out of that whole match. Um, but Harlem E, uh, the public enemy, even when it stayed in the ring with good matches. I like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, they were solid. I mean, yeah. you had Harlem Heat in there, and they were a good team. So, yeah. you know, recently inducted into the, um, well deserved, the WWE Hall of Fame. Yeah, I think the team deserved to go in, but I don't think Booker T needed to be a two-time Hall of Famer. Like, you either put him in his Hall of Fame, put him in his Harlem Meet, or you put him in by, him, by himself. Yeah, that's a good did, point. You know what I mean? Like, granted, but which one do you think uh, does add more merit, him as a single wrestler or Harlem Meet? See, that's difficult because he did a lot with both. You know? Oh, and are talking about Harlem Meet. All right, and speaking of which, and this is also the famous promo where um, – and. I won't repeat it, of course, because it's way out of line. But this is the famous promo where Booker T drops the N word by accident, if you remember. It was the A or the ER. It was the it was the N the the N with the A at the end. But okay. still, it yeah. was you know, um, 
it's funny that you, that that we're talking about Harlem Heat and this just happened to pop up because I, I completely forgot about this. Um, but um, during the um, the home video version of this that Turner Home Entertainment put out, they edited it to say "sucka." Yeah. But the WWE Network version doesn't bleep this word out at all. How ironic! And Hulk Hogan, who yeah. was fired from the company for using a racial slur, who was just rehired by WWE, that they didn't edit this part, this this portion of the 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 show out. That's such common. The A is is such common terminology now. Yeah, among, that, amongst then, the African yeah. American community, yeah. of course. You yeah. Know? Like me and you, I don't think we're from Guantanamo ever using that terminology. Oh, of course not. Uh, but but that the uh, it was if it was the er, yeah, that would have been scrapped. I that they uh, I bet your Booker T might have been even though even being African American, he he might have been blackballed to use that that terminology. But like I said, the A is there, such there a is right there, yeah, He just did it, and look, Sherry's like Sherry's got that look like she knew that like he screwed up, and he he's. Embarrassed, like you could even see it in his face. He's like, "Oh my god, I can't believe I just said." Oh, he that. said, "Fuck!" I never noticed that. Yeah, he did. He was like, "Fuck!" Yeah, he 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 mouthed it, but he didn't yeah. uh, he didn't say it out loud. Um, so uh, the um, hey, uh, I I don't rem- I don't remember the promo at all, but you can tell Booker T that he's like, "Oh man, yeah, I screwed up, man." Yeah. Um, so the um. The ramifications following this promo um, were, um, you know, Bischoff and on uh, the recent eighty-three weeks. I, I listened to eighty-three weeks to because I was covering this yep. event. Um, had um, Bischoff had said that he um, he found out about this during the show and after um, after it. Um, after it already aired and you know he 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 was expecting to get a phone call from Turner about it but Turner never called him and there was no issue with Booker T he wasn't fined he wasn't suspended as a matter of fact um Stevie Ray told a story that um in catering um he kind of made a uh he recalls Hogan making a lighthearted comment about it uh, at Nitro the next night in catering and um he said that um you know, uh, everyone kind of laughed it off, and that was the end of it. So, yeah. uh, as we we move on with this uh, this 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 pay per view here, Chris Benoit with Woman, yeah, challenging Dean Malenko for the United States Championship. Every time what I do see, you think, Dennis? Here, well, and every time we see that imagery with like Woman and Benoit, my heart breaks. It really does. That that, that she, if she only knew, like, uh, you know what I mean? I don't know. But. uh Anytime Benoit's in the ring, though, it's going to be really uh, an enjoyable experience. But that that uh, it just makes me foreshadowing. Just like that imagery is just uh, it's just really chilled down my spine. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's it's tough to talk about. Um, and I mean, we'll we'll get into it at another time when it comes to that issue. Yeah. Um, I promise we'll talk about it because um, I wasn't sure when I started doing this podcast almost a year ago that uh, you know I was going to be talking about um, you know Chris Benoit in that in that situation. But um, I try to remember the good times when it comes to him. But at the same time, you can't ignore um, what took place because of the the, the enormity of the situation. Uh, so we'll 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 curb that conversation yeah. for, for a later date. Um, 
Here we see Dean Malenko with the United States. You know what's disappointing about? Doesn't Dean actually look like a cowboy? They should have done him up with like a big trench coat with a cowboy hat. Dean Malenko uh, looks like a cowboy? I absolutely think so. Uh, that, 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 I, don't, I don't look at Dean Malenko as a cowboy, but okay. Uh, that, <laughs> no, I'm just saying, you watch those spaghetti westerns, and I don't know. It has that, that rugby look to him, I don't know. But uh, then uh, I just wish at least, if, if, if there was one wrestler on the card, I wish had like, uh, came out with like the long trench coat and the hat. It definitely would have been Dean Malenko. Yeah. But uh, but yeah, I don't remember this match. I I I I I know one hundred percent certainly. I saw this pay per view a couple times, but that uh, but but I don't remember this match at all. That that uh, so I'm looking. I'm really looking forward to this. Yeah, um, they they don't disappoint when it comes to their yeah. matches. Um, they had a uh, a time limit draw um, at the Road Wild nineteen ninety six or Hog Wild ninety six pay per view in Sturgis, um, and um, what was it, like a ten minute? No, it was like they, they went a while, but then they? they like did it was like a time limit draw, and then they went to overtime. Like I don't even remember if it was for a title or not, um, but the you know they when they worked with each other, they were certainly. Um, they were certainly, uh, you know, they worked very well with each other. Yeah. So they, they certainly put out a good match here. Um, and this match, n- no different as well. Um, you know, uh, Benoit was a Benoit was a, a, a fixture in the cruiserweight division for a brief period of time. Um, he was another name that they, um, you know, uh, that they that, that they had brought in because they wanted him to be a part of that division. But this was a little surprising here to see Malenko and Benoit at this time with the United States Championship on the line because we were so used to seeing them compete for the Cruiserweight title yeah. and be a part of that division with all those other guys. Yeah. I... That, uh... But, yeah, that, that, uh... That, that, um... I just, I, I just, I just find it funny, just like, you know, where uh, Chris Benoit is, like, all his acolytes and everything like that. Yeah, he started in the Cruiserweights, yeah. I mean, he's you know he patterned his style off a of dynamite kid. Yes, yeah, good um, point. <laughs> who, you Actually, know. if if you take their heads off, whatever you know, what I mean, like like you can you would, like the bodies per se. That's what I'm trying to get mm-hmm. get at. The, 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 their bodies, they're very dynamite similar. kid, very very similar. Yeah, it was like a clone. Like he was a yeah. dynamite clone. Um, he he he. I've heard stories. He study um, tapes of dynamite kid, and um, he was obsessed with dynamite kid. Uh, the things I've heard. He, and uh, you notice on Benoit's left hand, um, he uh, he's drawn, or maybe it's his right hand. There's some blood on his. Oh hand. yeah, yeah. Um, uh, story I heard regarding that was was that uh, Benoit, uh, woman Nancy Sullivan, and uh, Stephen Regal were involved in a um, in a car accident the day before. They were hit by a drunk driver, um, and uh, everyone seemed to be okay. Minimal injuries. Um, none really at all, as a matter of fact, and they continued uh, working the, um, the, uh, the 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 pay per view as we saw with Regal earlier and Benoit here. Um, Benoit Malenko now, you know, no strangers to each other from an in ring standpoint. Um, best friends behind the scenes, but also they were a tag team and a part of the original triple threat in ECW. You being an ECW guy, what yeah. did you think of them as a team and a part of the triple threat? I vaguely, vaguely remember that, but that, uh, that, that, uh, 
like like my my favorite right, ECW stables were like Impact Players, um, the Ravens Flock at that the at that that uh, the Triple Threat at that that uh, what, what was that? That was Shane Douglas, right? That, 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 Shane Douglas with Benoit and Malenko. Yeah, and it, it really was that, that that for Shane Douglas, he he of course he's an ECW like icon. He was like he's pretty much if you got to do like. If there if there was such a thing, like uh, you know what I was gonna call him the Hulk Hogan of ECW. That's not true. That's RBD. That 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 uh, but um, but but uh, that uh, he would be like the Ric Flair of ECW. Another one who yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah you make a good point it, there. I mean that's that's uh, ironic you say that because Douglas, um, Douglas has you know I'm sure you know well documented a major heat with Ric Flair yep. over the years he felt Ric Flair held him down when he was in WCW and then Douglas made a living off of trashing Ric Flair in his promos in ECW for a number of years and I do yeah publicly since yeah. then I don't I don't think they have a great relationship still to this day um, I, I think but the Shane, Shane Douglas I don't I, I obviously I don't know why but but you rubbed up the wrong people at the, the WWF. It was, of course, uh, Shawn Michaels. The Click, yeah. Yeah, and then and then and uh, and in WCW was Ric Flair. He must have said some some stuff or he stood whatever. Up to those guys in the Click, I know that, and um, he felt like those guys were kind of like playing with the, uh, you know, playing with a lot of talent's future because those guys had, you know, influence yeah. uh, behind the scenes. Um, I I do recall a story once where, um, you know. Uh, they were in, they were at a show and Douglas was like sitting off afar and um, Diesel Kevin Nash was um, was having a discussion and a disagreement with um, uh, PCO uh, Pierre Carroulet um, currently working for Ring of Honor now uh, he was doing that that stupid pirate gimmick I don't know if you remember that in 1995 and so uh, oh that are you talking um. Uh, one and a half of the Quebecers? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, the story goes that Douglas was watching from afar, and Diesel and Boulette were, uh, were were having a disagreement, and it was probably regarding that infamous match where um, Diesel had to shoot on him because he didn't want, because Carl Roulette didn't want to uh, uh, go along with the finish because they were in his hometown of Montreal. And Michaels, I guess, was behind Carl Roulette, like, you know, like, making gestures and motherfucking him and you know this that and the other and then carl would turn around and michaels would you know just stand there like nothing was going on and douglas watched it from afar and i guess douglas kind of said something later on um but douglas was very outspoken about um his time in the wwf working with those guys and uh you know being in that 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 atmosphere politically and that's what kind of um signaled his exit and then eventually his return to ECW um, where he would form the triple threat with Benoit and Malenko here. Um, they were like that. Mo- they were like the, the, the modern version of the four horsemen um, at that time in ECW, but it was the three of them and they were like holding all the gold. Yeah. That, uh, but yeah, the, the triple threat didn't do much for me, but uh, that, uh, but it's funny. I think it's always funny where it's like, when like the leader of a group, uh, uh kind of like when it was all said and done, becomes like 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 the least famous per se. Obviously, Benoit, in my opinion, Benoit and Malenko, that that uh, 
surpassed Dean Douglas. Oh, uh, for uh, sure. I always call him Dean. <laughs> yeah, Shane no, Douglas. No, I get it. Yeah, it. Shane Douglas, uh, tenfold. I'm sure he'd appreciate yeah. that. <laughs> but yeah, no, they would. Um, they would eventually. Um, you know, these two would eventually be a part of the Horsemen. Um, you know, just just about a yeah. a year and a half, two years later, and then um, after the Horsemen, Benoit. Malenko and Douglas would be a part of the revolution in WCW, um, which was a short-lived um, uh, stable. Uh, and then Benoit and Malenko would leave WCW and jump to the WWF. And the story goes is that um, Douglas thought he was going with them too. And WWF had no interest in Shane <laughs> Douglas whatsoever. And so um, Douglas has held a grudge over some of these guys uh, for a number of years. I don't know if they've patched things up, but I heard for a while he was holding a grudge against them because they didn't look out for him, so to speak. But he also, at the same time, was the kind of person that would alienate himself because of the things he would say. Yeah. So, um, but this has been a good match so far between these two here. Absolutely. Um, both guys, you know, kind of like the story going into this was that, you know, they both respected each other because of their in-ring abilities. And, you know, Malenko wanted to give Benoit a shot at the U.S. title, even though at this time Benoit's character had a lot going on. He was involved in that storyline with Kevin Sullivan, which was life, you know. Yeah, one of my favorites. Real life bleeding into the the, yeah. the, the storyline here. Um and him versus Kevin Sullivan is one of my favorite feuds of all time. No doubt about it. Yeah, they had some great matches. Yeah. They did. Um, the, the false count anywhere matches. Um, one of my favorite matches with the two of them that doesn't get talked about was they had a strap match at Super Brawl two months prior to this event here. Um, and Woman and Jackie stole that match because they were so involved and they beat each other up and at one point I think they too had leather straps and they were beating the shit out of each other there and Benoit and Sullivan tore it up like those matches were just so intense and you could feel the 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 hatred they they were pros I've heard yeah. that they were that the, that despite the fact that Sullivan you know lost his wife and she she shacked up with Benoit that he was a total pro but when they got in that ring man they made it look as real as possible without killing each other yeah and they made for some great matches and then what happened was it Dungeon of Doom was 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 before this right yeah, Dungeon Doom was our. I mean, they were still technically a, a group at this point. Were um, they really? Uh, yeah, I felt so bad for Kevin Sullivan. That that uh, that uh, we, we yeah, I know I'm putting you on the spot here, no, but, no, but, but 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 that uh, if you were gonna do like a like like worst stable like like oh they're the, on it oh they're yeah on it. Oh. absolutely uh, Are you kidding me and it has Kevin Sullivan yeah oh, I just felt so bad for him um I've heard. I've I, I've watched I watched a Kevin Sullivan shoot interview once on YouTube and um, he was asked about the Dungeon of Doom, and Sullivan takes responsibility for um, creating um, that um, 
that stable and having a big part in it. Um, but he also gives that credit to Hogan, who doesn't get the credit <laughs> for it because Hogan was the top guy at that time in WCW as a babyface, and Hogan brought the old formula from the WWF of him working with the big monsters. So he was the one that kind of influenced Sullivan to create this stable and have all these guys that Hogan could work with, bringing in Earthquake, Kamala. They turned Beefcake into the Zodiac. Um, you know, uh, uh, eventually the Giant, who would become Big Show. Yeah. Um, uh, Haku, Meng. Like, Hogan pitched all these guys to Sullivan and was like, let's make them a part of this group, this stable that you have, and then we will, um, we will, uh, you know, We'll, we'll go ahead and we'll make money, brother. Because, uh, yeah. you know, Hogan did that in the WWF in the 80s, in the heyday. He, Hogan worked with all the big monsters. Kamala, Andre, mm -hmm. Big John Studd, King Kong Bundy, you know? So Hogan tried to recreate that formula in the 90s in WCW, and it it was it was a tired formula. People didn't really care for it. Um, I, tried to, I tried to like it. It was hard to, but I tried to like it as a kid. I was, you know, I, I just... I, I try to keep it... I remember as a teenager trying to keep an open mind about the whole thing, right? I'm like, yeah, it is what it is. But then they had that... The mommy, the Yeti, whatever they called it. And oh, I, that's God, when I yeah. officially checked out yeah. that, 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 that of, of the Dungeon of Doom. And I'm like, what? Yeah. Uh, I, I, I don't blame you. I don't blame you. At one point, I think, yeah. they, I think they, they... Who else did they put in the Dungeon of Doom at that point? I think they, they had Hugh Morris... Um, yeah, they did. Big Bubba, who was the big boss man, they put him in the Dungeon of Doom. Um, did he? Was he? Did he even have a gimmick in the Dungeon of Doom? He was like the, He did like the big Bubba biker kind of. He was like a biker. So like <laughs> he was like the most normal looking one out yep. of all the bunch. Like the rest of them were monsters. Um, and then, uh, um, who else was a part? I think Barbarian was a part of the Dungeon of Doom at one point. Yeah, Faces um, of Fear definitely. Yeah, Faces of Fear, yeah. Conan. Yeah, Conan was in the Dungeon of Doom. Was he really? Conan was in the Dungeon of Doom. What was his gimmick? He was he did the same thing he's been doing ever since. The 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 the, the street thug with really? the, the, the flannel shirt and the jean shorts or the jean pants and the wife beater with the top hat. Yeah. They thought that'd be a good idea to be in the Dungeon of Doom with exactly. that gimmick. I was like he didn't like him and Bossman were the like the two most normal looking out of the <laughs> and Jimmy Hart. The three most normal looking out of the bunch. The rest yeah, of them Jimmy looked like Hart, they came from yeah. the Rocky Horror Picture Show. You know? Um like I love gimmick wrestling, and you know that you yeah. know that I do. But Same here. That was no, oh, oh, that it was, was bad. awful. It, for the yeah. time period, it was terrible. Um, and I was like, at this period of time, even though the Dungeon of Doom was like hanging on by a thread, you know, the only thing that was saving it was Sullivan's matches with Benoit. Yeah. Everything else, like those guys, like it sucked. Like I'll never forget um, leading up to the Sullivan's retirement match um, against Benoit. A few months after this this match at Bash at the Beach, they did a storyline where um, Benoit was uh, Benoit had to beat members of the Dungeon of Doom to to get to Sullivan. So he had to beat Barbarian. He had to beat Hugh Morris. He had to beat um, uh, what's his name uh, Meng Haku, um, and those were solid matches and it was a solid story. But the name. Dungeon of Doom just screamed like so. It was like 80s and hokey. Yep. And it just didn't... It wasn't very good at all. So do you remember the match, though? The, the one match of, of all the Dungeon of Doom versus Hogan matches that stand out, or, or not, not... Or actually, it was plural matches, I guess. That, that uh, starts off with Hogan and the Giant uh, are fighting on a building. 
and the giant falls off the building. And then a couple hours later, they actually have a match match, and the giant walks out to the ring like nothing happened. You remember that? Yes, yes, I do. It was the, it was a, it was at Halloween Havoc 1995. Um, it's regarded as one of the worst moments in all of wrestling history, and that was the night where the Mummy, the Yeti, debuted. Was it really? Uh, yeah. Oh man. So they had the, they they thought it was a great idea that they were going to do a monster truck match on the roof of the of the building. Um, how they managed to put two monster trucks on a roof of a building was was beyond me. But um, they had this match where these two trucks had to, um, you know, push push one another outside of this circle. Um, here we go. Here. That was Jackie. This is where business is now going to pick up. Miss Jackie, Hall of Famer, by the way, WWE. Hall is she of out Famer. just to beat the crap out of a woman, or or is it is she here because? Uh... For, for Malenko. I don't remember her in Malenko ever. No, she's here for woman. Damn. Okay. Ooh, that was stiff. <laughs> yeah, she's laying it into her. She yeah. used to beat the guys up, too, for a while. I remember she used to beat up Sullivan's guys. But, um, yeah, this here, um, the, that match that we're talking about. the Oh, Jimmy, Jimmy Hart. Yeah, this is where the finish gets really, like, confusing and all fucked up. Like, everyone shows up. Um, What's Jimmy doing? Yeah. Why did he just go to the other side? Yeah, I don't know. I love that flying head. Because he's Jimmy Hart. Um, so Hogan, so Hogan won the monster truck match and then him and giant were fighting and he pushed him off the roof. And I remember watching this at a friend's house. He ordered it. And my buddy Dean, if you're listening, Dean, what's up, man? Um, and we were like, no way. Like he killed the giant. Like, you know, even as a kid, I knew like, all right. You knew with wrestling that it yeah. was that it was predetermined and it was scripted and you know the athleticism was real, but you were guaranteed that nobody was going to get stabbed, shot with a gun, or killed. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> like you knew that. Like yeah. at, at twelve years old, I knew that was the case. I knew we weren't going to see anything like that. But then he threw this motherfucker off the roof, and then he comes out and he's like, "I'm really sorry. I didn't mean for that to happen, brother." Then all of a sudden, this dude shows up like nothing happened. Does that like, mean they didn't hold the ribs or nothing? Yeah, didn't even have like a bruise or like you know a, a bump on the head or even like a bandage or something. No, he just showed up here just like another person showing up. Arn, look at this, <laughs> Jackie, Jimmy Hart, Arn Anderson, Eddie Guerrero, all these people just showing up. And next thing you know, here another person, Kevin Sullivan, which doesn't really make sense to me because look at Arn Anderson just let him walk by him and bam all oh, right back of the head right on the back of the head to Benoit and then falling into Guerrero and now the referee finally yeah. says okay I've had enough because the 18th person has done a run and I think I'm gonna now call for the DQ but this was a weird this whole era of WCW refereeing was weird we could do the dick kick they kicked city and like doesn't happen yeah. and like eh, I don't know it was just a weird era of WCW yeah yeah that was that was um a pretty uh a, a, a pretty convoluted finish there as we see Sullivan now taking Guerrero out of here and putting the title on him <laughs> and Guerrero's like I don't want this and a woman trying to catch her bearings referee Pee Wee Anderson so like, what, what a kayfabe is that that of course I saw. Uh, Eddie Guerrero in a sling. That that was he. Did he have to like really re- release the title or something? Like I think so. Okay. I think that was, or maybe Malenko beat him. I don't remember, um, but he was um, he got hurt and uh, oh look at that Malenko just. 
pulling a woman out of the way, so yeah. he can... That was a pretty gnarly bump that Benoit took, I do admit. Oh, yeah, absolutely, yeah. I mean, that, 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 that stick didn't break yeah. either. Like, he, like Sullivan swung for the fences like he was, you know, like he was, you know, uh, hitting, trying to hit a home run in Fenway Park. But, yeah. Um, and now Benoit here, finally. That was a very gronky finish, per se. Oh, yeah, absolutely. But, but, but I am, I'm satisfied. I'm very satisfied with this match. It was good. The match was good until the finish. Everything yeah. was great about it until the finish. And I don't know why they had to had so many people a part of that finish just to make it all chaotic. But, um, yeah, they say it looks like it's not over yet. But, um, you know, which I guess, I guess in retrospect, like, if they if they wanted to extend this rivalry, then the finish makes sense because, you know, both guys really brought it to each other and they both respected each other and it was something from the outside that caused this match to end the way it did. But they never followed up with this. Yeah. They went back to Benoit and Sullivan. And who knows what Malenko was doing. I think he I think Malenko would end up working with um uh yeah, probably Eddie, Eddie, right? Eddie Guerrero yeah. again. Yeah, I think so. Um yeah, wasn't wasn't the best finish here. Um, great match though. Yep. Look at that suplex! Wow, he got to hurt his legs during that. Oh yeah, crazy bump. And Jackie here, very oh, stiff. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, she clocked her good. She clocked her good. Yeah, it was uh, it was no joke. That's for sure. And right here, Sullivan with the whack. Oh, oh that's a gnarly bump. Yeah. That really was. <laughs> yeah, he yeah. I love Kevin Sullivan, but we already knew that. <laughs> Yeah, Sullivan, um, it wouldn't surprise me with WrestleMania being in Tampa next year if he goes into the Hall of Fame in that in that class. I would hope so, right? He, I mean, he, he had a great character, um, and his contributions to, um, you know, his behind-the-scenes work. Yeah. He was one of the guys that helped book the NWO storyline. Yeah. Um, he was he was one of the the the, the important parts of that storyline. Um, Who would you want um, to induct them? Uh, shit. Um, I guess Jimmy Hart. That's a good one. I guess Jimmy Hart would be good here. It's the uh, coming up next here is the, uh, the 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 world tag team title match. I totally it's forgot. Now, it's now going to be turned into a singles match for the tag titles. Um, as Scott Steiner was arrested after being maced and punching a cop. So we got Kevin Nash, uh, who has now brought out NWO referee Nick Patrick, yeah. Six, and Ted DiBiase. You, you can't convince me that the gimmick for um, Eastbound and Dawn was not uh, Nick Patrick. I love that show. I do, too. Oh, that was great. But I always called him Nick Patrick. Yeah. Uh, who who calls him that? Uh, Conrad Thompson, uh, the, the, uh, the, the Tony Schiavone podcast, uh, calls... Um, uh, Nick Patrick, what's his fucking name? Uh, I totally forget too. I love that show. I just forgot. I love that show. Um, uh, Kenny Powers. Kenny Powers. That's yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so Conrad was telling a story at that Bruce Pritchard show I went to at the casino a while back. Um, uh, he was telling the story about Starcade, the finish with Sting and Hogan in '97, mm-hmm. and he referred to Nick Patrick as Kenny Powers, and he was like, "Yeah, so Hulk Hogan gets in the ring, and he tells fucking Kenny Powers <laughs> to do a slow count." So <laughs> I always love how he like refers to him as Kenny Powers. I thought it was funny here, um, but this rivalry, Steiners Outsiders, what'd you think? Um, I love the rivalry. I I obviously don't appreciate this match per se, but. 
I, I really like... It was a better... That, that When the Steiners actually won, won the title, I, I I felt very satisfied. That That's how you do a, a, like a, a challenger chasing the champion type of thing. Mm-hmm. They, they did it so well. They really did. Yeah. I, I What I loved about this storyline was um, <clears throat> they had really stacked the deck against the Steiners. Um, I was a big Steiner Brothers guy, but I also really liked Hall and Nash. So I was kind of like torn between you know these two teams. But um, what I loved about it was, do you remember when they won the titles the first time at the NWO pay-per-view? Yeah, they got screwed. Yeah, they got screwed. <laughs> yeah. And then they fired the referee, um, <clears throat> Randy Anderson. And uh, Bischoff did that in front of his kids. Um, and that was then, a good storyline. Yeah. And then, do you remember when they had the Steiners um, run off the road with the car? No. Oh, you got to find that. So was that on Nitro? It was. Uh, they showed the footage. I don't know if they showed it on Nitro, if they showed it on like the Saturday Night Show. All right. But so what exactly happened again? So, so the story was, was that Hall and Nash and Six yep. had followed... The Steiners from like another arena or you know uh, uh, the gym or something, and Six was in the back seat filming the the thing on the little video camera. Yep. Remember when he used to come out with the little camcorder? Yeah, of course, yeah. And they so Nash is driving, Hall's in the front seat, and Six is in the back, and Nash takes the car and he love taps the back of the car, and then they pull up beside them and Rick Steiner's in the front seat driving and we reveal that it's the Steiners. And then the way they did the camera work was was impressive, but um, it, it would eventually become a stunt driver um, <clears throat> that did the stunt. And they took the car and the car like flipped and like ran them off the road. And then they said, I, they said like, stop filming, stop filming, turn yeah. the camera off. And then they, like, drove off. Um, and the only reason why that the NWO wasn't, you know, criminally prosecuted for this vehicular assault <laughs> was because the Steiners didn't want to press charges because they wanted to get their hands on them in the ring. And plus, they technically paid for the television time when they aired the footage. Okay. So it was very similar to um, the angle that Jim Crockett Promotions did with the Horsemen when the Horsemen attacked Dusty in the parking lot at the TBS studios and they paid for the TV time. Okay. Do you remember that? I do. Okay, yeah. So it was similar like that. And it really like, kick-started the rivalry and like put it in high gear. Um, and then during this time period... Um, like I said, Scott Hall was in rehab. They didn't obviously announce that on TV, but um, they started teasing some dissension in the NWO, which we'll see later on in this match and then, of course, in the main event. So to avoid any confusion, this is a singles match with the tag titles, right? Correct. That's so stupid. Yeah. I mean, honestly, you had six there. Why didn't you just have him as the uh, you know the, the alternate? You know, right. He was a part of that little wolf pack, so to speak, with Hall and Nash. I mean, there's other members of the NWO. So Kayfabe, Rick, Rick got arrested. So Scott got arrested. And uh, now this is a one-on-one match. Yeah, which, you know, the broadcast, you know, the commentators would, would bring up that, you know, the NWO played it smart and it was a it was a nice plan all along. Yeah, it actually would have been kind of cool. They the, suckered Scott in so it takes yeah. him out of the match and Nash doesn't have to defend the titles in a handicap match anymore. Yeah, somehow that um, 
Scott Hall was able to make the event, that would have been kind of a cool swerve. Then he actually comes out anyway and hits him with like something, or you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. If, if Hall, yeah. yeah, that would have been because they didn't. Like I said, they just said that he didn't show up. Okay, that he wasn't in the building. They didn't say why. They didn't really elaborate yeah. on it. Um, well, you I, don't want to. You don't want to. You don't. I wouldn't want to embarrass my talent like that. No, of course not. No, I'm not saying they had to by any means, but I mean, it makes it 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 helps to go along with the lines of what you the the finish you just kind of came up with, whereas Hall would show up and swerve everyone, and then it would turn out that Nash and Hall, you know, set this whole thing up all along to make it, you know, um, make it look like that you know Rick Steiner was at a disadvantage with like a two on one, so to speak. Yeah. Um, so that would have been a kind of a cool swerve, but you know, obviously at the time, um, you know, Scott Hall was dealing with some personal issues that he would, you know, continue to deal with over the course of, uh, you know, uh, the ne- uh, number of years following this event. Yeah. But this is where the NWO, um, this point in the match right here, is kind of where like you know the the seeds of dissension um, begin to, to 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 come through as uh, Nash is really putting a beating on Rick and. Now Nick Patrick all of a sudden has a heart, um, even though he's a member of the NWO. He's yeah. uh, he he he's he doesn't want to see. Oh, Nick, t- uh, yeah, there it is. You got a dong punch, but yeah. because Nick Patrick <laughs> is NWO, he did not call for a disqualification. No, it was just that error. Uh, th- th- yeah, this error, right. you could do low blows. Yeah. And the fact that he was NWO referee, yeah. and Nash was the champion. Like shit, why didn't you just call for a disqualification? Yeah, you know, Rick Steiner's not your guy. But this was the period in time where they were starting to, like I said, show the the NWO I give um, friction, and Patrick was you know going back to the WCW side. I can vaguely remember too. So some of these matches where you got a chair shot right in front of the referee, and they it's like no, nah, yeah. don't care. I, I will say this though. As a kid, I remember that stuff, and then I remember also the ounce, the announcers kind of like making up for the excuse there, where like Tony Schiavone was great at that, where he would cover it up, like he would say, you know, the referee is is uh, you know relaxing the disqualification rule, yeah. he's letting some things fly, you know, it's up to the official at the end of the day. Um, they would kind of make up for it in a sense, even though it made it made no sense for someone to use a chair during that part of the match. Yeah. Um, he would, oh, there you go. Nice shot by Rick to six and there Nash with a clothesline. But yeah, this is the point in the match where things get a, things get a little fishy with the NWO. Yep. Though I, I totally forgot that the Ted David Yasser was an NWO. Then I thought to myself, wait, everyone was an NWO. <laughs> oh, yeah. As a, that you, don't you think? Uh, other than uh, they didn't know moderation, that that uh, that that, uh, that that NWO was like, what the fuck, man? Um, there were certain guys that didn't need to be in it. I understand why they did it. They were trying to give them a little bit of a rub, but like, who they have in it? IRS. Yep. Why was he in it? Yep. You know, um, uh, Big Bubba. No need for him to be nope. in it. Virgil. No need for him to be. I in thought it. Virgil was funny, but you're right. Um. I get the bogus sting, why they had him in it, as we see uh, Six and DiBiase now uh, removing the turnbuckle pad. I loved the, I didn't like the fake sting per se, but like the, um, what was it, the Black Scorpion? Yeah. Oh, I loved that. The Black Scorpion. It sucked that that was Ric Flair at the, the whole time, but you I know, did you know love who that. that was supposed to be? Who? 
You remember Al Perez from World Class? No. And Al Perez also had a brief run with Jim Crockett Promotions. He was managed by Gary Hart. I'm not familiar with Al okay. Perez. No. Al Perez was originally supposed to be the Black Scorpion. He didn't want to do the job to Sting. So they fired him. And, and they, who the then, fuck is Al Perez? Yeah, I know. <laughs> exactly. Um, and they fired him, and then they, they asked Flair to do it. Um, and so Flair did it. All right. And, you know, but at the same time, if you look back. Right died today. I thought that was Ric Flair the whole time. I'm glad you told me yeah, that. Yeah, Flair wasn't, Flair wasn't the original Flair. I love that. And it, turned, and it turned out just to be Ric Flair. You're like, oh, yeah. really? It's funny because they brought that up in the, the, the Four Horsemen DVD that WWE put out a number of years ago. But they never mentioned Al Perez by name because Flair said, I'm not even going to mention his name because it's not worth it. And then years ago when I went to, I was... Uh, I was hanging out with uh, the Hurricane, Shane yeah. Helms, and we were just talking about wrestling storylines. And he's a fan, obviously. Um, and we've had great conversations over the years about wrestling um, because he's a fan. He's not one of those wrestlers that doesn't want to talk about yeah. it. And uh, he said, he goes, he, yeah, we, the Black Scorpion came up, and he was like, you know who's supposed to be that, right? And I said, no. And he goes, Al Perez. I'm like, who the fuck is Al Perez? <laughs> and then like he had a smartphone at the time, so he like had to Google it and show me. Um, and I was like, okay, I vaguely remember him, but yeah. I don't remember at all. Was he in WWE at all? Or? I don't think so. I mean, he might have been an enhancement talent here and there, but he didn't have like a run, run. Um, as we see, uh, DiBiase's leaving because he's had enough. Nash is just putting too much punishment on Rick Steiner here with that exposed turnbuckle. And I vaguely remember DiBiase was the Steiner's manager, wasn't he? Eventually, DiBiase would yeah become the manager of the Steiners a few months after this. Um, he would leave the NWO, um, and a big part of that um, had to do with Bischoff's involvement. Because DiBiase was brought in to be the mouthpiece for the NWO. He was going to be the manager. And when Bischoff put himself in the storyline, that kind of took away DiBiase's role. And so DiBiase had asked for his release. And Bischoff said, I'm not going to let you go. But um, if you don't want to be in the NWO, you know, we'll have you do something else. <laughs> and they put him in with the Steiners here as uh, Nick Patrick forced to make the three count. And your winner of this match Big sexy Kevin Nash. Outsiders are still the the world tag team champions. Um, yeah, a lot of shenanigans, but it was, that was a fun match. I yeah, it wasn't bad. It, yeah. it, it told the story of like the the, the problems within the NWO. Yeah. It's just so stupid when you have a singles match for for multi like you know multi tag team yeah, title. Yeah, stupid. Yeah, no, it, it was it was it was rather silly. I, and I'm right there with you. I don't think that. In hindsight, they certainly could have come up with a better finish. Have they done that before? I want to say they have. I just can't think of an example. But uh, I can. Yeah, you give it to me. Um, so, do you remember when it was a year after this? The NWO had split into two groups: NWO Black and White, and in the Wolfpack, and of course. The Wolfpack, yeah. Which yeah. I'm, I'm sporting the red and black shirt. I don't know if you noticed. Oh, there you go. Yeah, and um, Sting was a member of. Sting wasn't a member of any of the groups. Yeah. And, but he was tag team partners with um, the Giant. And Giant had just recently joined the NWO Black and White. And the main event was Sting and the Giant defending the tag titles against Hall and Nash. Or winning the tag titles. I okay. should say they were challenging for the tag titles. Giant had joined the NWO a week prior. Then going into that pay-per-view, everyone was like, well, who can Sting trust? Because his partner's a member of the NWO. He's not a member of the NWO. And uh, Hall and Nash 
That was when Hall turned on Nash. So Giants Sting were champions, but they couldn't come to an agreement as a team. Sting joined the Wolf Pack because he had no one to help him. And then they did a match at the 1998 Great American Bash where Sting wrestled the Giant and the winner would become the tag team champions and then they could pick their partner. Okay. Um, and here's the promo with uh, Giant and Luger setting up this next match, which is a, a four corners match to determine the number one contender for the WCW title. Giant, Luger, and Harlem Heat, who was shown earlier when uh, Booker T uh, had that little... Uh, oh, the tag little... titles even defended here? Well, the tag titles were defended with Nash and against the Giants. Oh, yeah. How stupid can I, can I be? No. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, that, that that threw me off so much, the, the ladies and gentlemen. I, I When you get a singles match for tag titles, I just throw it out well, of the way. Well, it gets even worse yeah. because look at the, you'll, you, as we watch this match, this is a four corners match, okay? The person who gets the pinfall will then become the number one contender for the WCW World Heavyweight title. Okay. But it's under tag team rules. So... You can tag anyone, but only two guys are allowed to be in the ring at the same time. So they treat it like it's a t- like it's a tag team match, but in a sense, it's every man for himself. Yeah. So you can even tag in your own partner and wrestle. You could wrestle your own partner in a sense, um, which I thought was rather silly and confusing. If you were just going to do a four corners match, don't make it a tag and make it all four guys, every man for himself. But this was the genius that was WCW's um, uh, creative direction at the time. Um, as we see Luger and Giant here preparing for this match. Um, Lex Luger. Um, I just watched the, uh, the, the the Macho Man documentary yeah. on, Vi- on Viceland. And... Um, they they mentioned Luger's involvement in Miss Elizabeth's death. Of course, yeah. Um, that's pretty crazy. Like all the stuff that was going on, I didn't know that they met because Luger had cheated on his wife. Um, but then they played the nine one one call when she's passed out, and um, he was trying to revive her, and he was scared and he couldn't. And um, then they found all those drugs in his house. He was arrested. Yeah. Um, he's a, he's uh. How long did he get busted for? You know. He didn't serve any jail time. Okay, but I thought um, he did. I don't her know. accident was an her her death was an accidental overdose. Okay. Um, but they found all kinds of drugs in his house, um, between you know performance enhancing drugs and recreational drugs and things like that. Um, I believe he paid like a hefty fine. I don't think he served any any real jail time. Mm-hmm. Um, but then you know a couple of years after that, it would be when he. Um, he had this like freak accident like on an airplane where like he ended up becoming paralyzed like his body just like shut down and now he's like you know if you've ever seen pictures of Luger currently today, I have, yeah he's you know he's not the the the, the physical specimen that he was yeah. there in 1997 but he's skinny very he's skinny diff- yeah skinny and frail he walks yeah. with crutches he doesn't have you know real uh solid use of his limbs. I always thought that was just because of the, you know, uh, I, I always thought, yeah. Yeah, I'm sure that played a factor. I'm not denying that whatsoever, but um, the, um, you know, he's he's a much different person now. Um, and on the, the documentary, Luger, they played a clip of Luger on, on Eric Bischoff's podcast and Luger basically owned up to, you know, the responsibility of, of he felt responsible for Miss Elizabeth's death. 
with, you know, incorporating drugs and alcohol and it being an accident and he just didn't take care of her. And, you know, he, he, he lives with that, but he owns it. And, you know, he's a born again Christian and, uh, he's, he's very involved in his community. Um, does the, does the wrestling convention circuit. Uh, another guy who I hope one day will be inducted into the WWE hall of fame. I think he deserves it. He's had a lot of great moments in his career. Um, certainly, uh, you know, one that definitely deserves to go in. Um, his resume says he goes in, but the cause of Miss, Miss Elizabeth is never going to happen. Think I think so? he's, Yeah, he's blackballed. I really believe it. Really? I do. See, I don't think he's blackballed. I, I think it's going to be... I, listen, fucking Bruno Sammartino went in, okay? And I'm not saying, yeah. you know, that's obviously those are different circumstances. But Bruno Sammartino, for 30 years, was was carrying the torch against the WWF or the WWE and, and what they stood for. Um, and they put him in. So Bruno well, here's was, the, Bruno was the, 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 you know, uh, the hell frozen over kind of, kind of, you know, pick yeah. going into the hall of fame. Jeff Jarrett was one of those two yeah. as well. We didn't, we had that this year, did we? Uh, China. Um, yes and no, but I was DX. I was a, she didn't go on her own. No, she didn't, but she still went in. Yeah. You know? And he mentioned her, and, you know. I think they did it justice. I, I'm sure she'll go in on her own someday, um, you know, because they'll, they'll definitely, you know, want to you know. publicize her as, like, the two-time Hall of Famer. Um, but, but I don't know. And Vince, Vince, let's be real, Vince never, re, re, he, never I mean, he probably loved uh, the look of Lex Luger, but he didn't like him like him. Like, like, like the, you, you know, he, when, when he beat Yokozuna via countout at SummerSlam, you oh, know. Oh, God, that was awful. That, that, that he did this huge celebration and all that stuff. Obviously, he was supposed to win the title that day. And uh, he had cold feet, and of course, what they did to him uh, at that uh, WrestleMania 10. And he, they just never really liked him. I, I really, I... Yeah. They tried. They tried to make it work, and it... It might be one of those things where it's like they're and they're falling where like you know ten years from now they're scratching their heads. Hey, who can we put in? Type of thing. Like ah, oh, it's Luger time finally. Yeah. Oh, I think he'll get in at some point. Um, I a, I don't no know. I don't know. I didn't. I'll be honest with you, Dennis. I tried to like the USA character, but I had a hard time with it because I loved Hogan so much, and. Luger was coming in right after Hogan in 93. And I never liked him. I, and you know me, too. I was always a heel type of guy. Yeah. I liked Luger from his WCW days before he came to the WWF. There's the total package as a member of the Horsemen. Excuse me, tagging up with Sting. Like, I love that stuff. Um, but I couldn't buy into him being this all-American hero. I tried as a kid, but it, it I wanted Hulk Hogan. And also, too, you know what? I also started to, to like Bret Hart because I felt bad for Bret Hart after what happened to his character when he got screwed at yeah. WrestleMania. So Luger was like in the wrong place at the wrong time, but I felt like they still could have capitalized and used him better. Maybe if they, they turned him um, and he dropped the USA thing, um, that would have been, I think, I think that would have helped. You know, he came into the WWF as the narcissist. He was, you know, yeah, the, Bobby Heenan. Yeah, yeah, Bobby Heenan brought him yeah. in. So I, th I didn't mind that. I thought that was good. People say it didn't work, but like 
I, I didn't see where it didn't work. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, I, I just think they pulled the plug too soon on that. I think so too. Yeah, I think because they were trying to make up for the yeah. fact that Hogan was gone. They didn't really have a whole lot of faith in Brett, even though Brett was popular. They didn't, they, they, they were still sticking with that formula of like the big muscular guy is like your top star. And it, it, at that time, it was that that formula was fading. Um, but yeah, you see here, this is like I said, tag rules, but it's a four corners match. Um, just very confusing. Yeah. Whoever gets the winning pin is the number one contender. Correct. Okay. Yeah. Um, and you'll see how, you know, this, you'll see in the finish later how like, I wouldn't say, you know, screwed up or messed up it was, but it was just a little... So let me get this straight. Let's take this back. Let's rewind this real quick. Okay. So last match we had a tag team match for the title, so that was a single match. Yep. Now we're having a singles number one contender match as a tag match. Pretty much. So explain that to me, Dave. Yeah, I, I can't. Honestly, I can't. <laughs> I really can't here. I just uh, be like a sack of potatoes. Yeah. And back to back matches, no less. Yeah. Honestly, like I, uh, not that I'm. What the hell was that? Oh, see. But um. I would have just like, like I said, to, to, to make up for it, I would have had six be the the alternate for Nash and let him defend the title. Yeah, no kidding. For Hall, if Hall wasn't going to be there, and I would have made this match like a Texas Tornado style match where it's like all four guys at the same time. That would make sense. You know? I don't know. I hope I see at least see once. I I like I said. I'm, I I can tell you. I saw this pay per view, but probably at least twice in my life. But I don't. I don't remember any of these matches. I hope at least once. Like 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 Stevie Ray's pinning the giant or something, and then Booker T breaks up the pin, and like Stevie Ray's like what? Yeah, <laughs> that would be cool. Yeah, but, I, think, uh, I I think eventually they will. The two of them will. Uh... It just boggles my mind. Well, uh, the booking we'll, we'll is the bit. on in the match. Yeah, yeah. Oh, trust me. There was some. There was some. There was some head scratchers for sure. I mean, WCW made a living off of that. Yeah. Uh, when it came to some of their creative decisions, but um, and that was the other, and here's the other thing too that that like I was scratching my head at was the fact that, and it's not a knock on the talent, but maybe the way that it was positioned. But Harlem Heat was a tag team. And a damn good tag team at that. And I didn't understand how they all of a sudden just got push, positioned into a match for a singles title. You know? I don't know. Like, they were, they were tagging up against the Steiners and, and all, you know, Hall and Nash and the Public Enemy and, and all these other great teams. And then all of a sudden it's like, all right, we're going to put them in a number one contenders match. Like, wouldn't it have made more sense if, like... Instead of Harlem Heat in this match, that it would have been, um, you know, a couple of guys from the NWO, like Hogan and, and not Hogan in the match, but yeah. like Hogan and the NWO, um, you know, forcing the troops to, to do his bidding. You know, if Luger or Giant, you know, got the pinfall, one of them would be the, the, the number one contender. Obviously, there it is. Yep, Stevie Ray just tagged Luger, so now we're going to be forced to see Luger and the Giant wrestle. Yep. 
that uh but at the same time i understand that they were trying to maybe they were testing out the waters with booker t and stevie ray and seeing if there was more to them than just a team you know with this with this match in this kind of role who knows i, yeah. I really honestly don't remember um but they were they were part of this match like i said they were just kind of put in there it wasn't like they they, Lex- had, they had any beef with these two you know I'm trying to think that that uh, I I they they fought each other a million times. Giant and Luger, I'm getting at. Correct. That yeah. that, that uh, did he ever get a bump in the torture rack? Yep. I thought he did. Yeah, he's done it a few times. Yeah. Yeah. yeah oh yeah. Oh look at that. Yeah. <laughs> I always loved that spot. And then when the when the face is trying to pick up the the heel the heel uh or where is that heel here the but, giant yeah the yeah, giant monster, and it just falls yeah. right on him. <laughs> yeah, the old uh, Hogan Andre yeah, spot from so WrestleMania good. three. Yeah. Oh, and now we see it. They both have tagged Stevie Ray and Booker T, and now we're going to be forced to see Harlem Heat wrestle each other in this match. Yeah. And the people, the people liked it. That was, uh, uh, you know, it's, yeah. it's getting over in Tupelo. That uh, one of my favorite things, I know it was NWO, that was like Steiners, and I think it was two other teams. It was like a four-corner like tag match, I do vaguely remember where like where like the like, like the other team thought it would be a good idea to tag both of them in, and then the, and then Scott Hall and Kevin Nash was like, "Wait a second, if you pin me right now, we're still the tag titles champions." Like, "Oh yeah, we're a good idea." And then and then uh, you remember that? I and, and they they, they tried to pin each other, and then, then the other team was like, "Holy shit, we fucked up!" And it was so good. I you know what that I don't remember that happening in WCW. I remember WWF did that with the New Age Outlaws. That that, that uh, I'm tell, I, I regularly remember the NW Kevin Nash. Yeah, happen. I'm just no, it saying, did. Like, I don't remember. It definitely did. But I'm just saying, I'm just reminiscing over that where you know where, where tagging in tagging in both members gone wrong. Now that you say that, now I yeah. now I vaguely remember that happening with Hall and Nash, and that's why WWF. WF did it because it worked with the outlaw. Oh, it's such a good spot. Yeah, it was. Where it's like, oh my god, are we actually gonna have to fight each other? And it's like, wait a second, if you pin me right now, we're still the tag champions. Yeah. And so and then the other chips rushing in, they're like, oh my god, we fucked up. Yeah. It was so good. I know it's crazy. It's crazy <laughs> yeah, that was a good spot. Down, yeah. But uh, yeah, I did that. Uh, I, 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 but what do I? One of my rivalries that 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 that's gotta be good, definitely get lost in the shuffle was actually Stevie Ray Booker T uh, in the late nineties. I liked lo- it. I did. I really did. I didn't. I mean, I didn't like them getting. I didn't like the Harlem Heat getting split up. But I I liked the matches. I did. Stevie Ray and Stevie Ray was one that went over. I was stunned. Yeah, they. Um, it's weird because like I remember. I remember in ninety. It was in ninety eight. They were. They were. They were playing around with Booker as um, a singles wrestler. They had him do this series of matches with Benoit for the TV title, and he was getting over. I think Stevie Ray was hurt at the time. And then Booker got hurt, Stevie Ray came back, and they put Stevie Ray in the NWO. Yep. And Stevie Ray was in the NWO for quite a while. Um, Didn't like it. Thought it was stupid and silly. It was just too many. Yeah, it was too many guys. Um, And... So they had Stevie Ray in the NWO, and um, Booker came back, and then Stevie Ray left the NWO, and then they started teaming up for a while. And then after after a while, then they split them up, yeah. and they had Stevie Ray 
which I thought was a stupid storyline. Stevie Ray claimed that he owned the name Harlem Heat, and so he had a lawyer make sure that Booker T could not come out to the Harlem Heat music. I was going to give you that for a trivia question. Yeah. And then what was uh, Booker T's uh, theme music when it first came out? Uh, what when with the with the breakup story yep. with Stevie Ray? I yep. don't think he had any. He did. It was one of my favorite shows of all time, the Dick Van Dyke Show. Uh, that that he came out to that. Really? It, yep. <laughs> yep. That was. Oh, his, okay. It, I that, vaguely remember that. Was, that, yeah. that was his theme music. I remember. Oh my that, god, yeah. I popped so hard when he did when they I were, he came out was, to that. Yeah, it was Stevie Ray and the lawyer yep. they were kind of I, messing I, around with him. Like me and my mother, our two shows were Dick Van Dyke and uh, and Miller Tyler Moore. Uh, that that that. Uh, that uh, so so anyway, I I I, I popped when he came out to the I do remember like, that, and then like Booker came down the ramp and he heard the music and then he yep. turned around and he was like, "What the heck is this?" Like, yep. Yeah, like I I do remember that now. Yeah, okay, yeah. So um, yeah, I didn't like it when like Stevie Ray had the lawyer and then like he tried he he goes, "I own the name Harlem Heat." And then the lawyer said that Booker T could no longer call himself Booker T. He could just only refer to himself as T because Harlem Heat owned the name or something. Like, it was stupid. <laughs> I don't like, remember that at and all. Then, and then, of all people, they bring WCW hired Ahmed fucking Johnson, who was god awful, yep. to tag with Stevie Ray. And it was like, you know, Stevie Ray was already the big dude in the original Harlem Heat, but like, you know, he. Him, him and Ahmed did not compliment each other. And that, oh, that was nice. I, I do remember. That was nice by Booker. I do remember listening to it in a podcast. I don't know where it was, but it was, def, it was Booker T. Yeah, he claimed that's the worst match he ever had. Oh, God, it was awful. <laughs> and I was so, I was like, I was like, just, just, Booker didn't need Harlem Heat anymore at the time. And, I don't know. And uh, there's a funny spot in that match, too, again, with him versus, um, I forgot what that, that Armin Johnson's character in Big the, T. The, uh, Big T. Oh, uh, that, 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 uh, fucking awful. That uh, so, 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 so. This was Booker T on a podcast mentioned talking about the match, like him. So him and Steve Ray on the outside are like wrestling each other, right? Yeah. But he wanted the crowd, but just so it's like you're like with like a therapy session. He goes, dude, this guy can't fucking wrestle. It was like, it's like, wait, what? And the Steve Ray's like, can I help you in here or anything? You know, it's like, they're like a whole scrum. It's like, I don't know. Just, we got, just got to end this fucker. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, if you ever want rewatch the match, that there's like a big conversation between, and, and like during the match on the outside between Stevie and Booker T is really funny. Oh boy. I'll have to waste a waste yep. 20 minutes of my life watching that match back again. Uh, if I feel like it, um, yeah, this match is okay um, here, but I mean, you clearly know who the favorite is. I mean, let's be honest. Do you really think that Stevie Ray had a shot? I think it would have been cool though for Stevie Ray to win this match. Have it a one-off on a Nitro and just get over with. Maybe Booker T. Stevie Ray. No disrespect to Stevie Ray, talented guy, but. I always not like world championship. Material, oh, absolutely not. Opinion. I'm just saying, just uh, like like have him have him have one match for Hogan and you know get over with. I don't know. I always like the unexpected. I mean, that's you know, it's definitely unexpected. You know, I'll, I'll give you that. But sometimes, so like Kofi Kingston, for example, him him winning the title when the expected happens, it's awesome too. Sometimes, but I I I, I am no, I'm a big fan of the unexpected. You know, I like I like the unexpected too if it makes sense. Yeah, you know I mean? actually, like, that's well said. You, you can't really give you the unexpected, and then you're like, well, why did they do that? You know, <laughs> like, 
just because it was unexpected? No. Yeah. Where's the follow-up, you know? If you're doing it just for a single moment, then it's a waste. Yeah. You know, but if you're doing it, there's going to be some solid follow-up behind it? Yeah, absolutely. I'm all for it. Um, I mean, if it was a one-off on Nitro, eh. That's what I mean. I don't know. I mean, you know, to each I own. think Hogan. I think Hogan had title matches against, especially like at Nitros and Saturday Night Main Event or whatever, you know. Where 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 less less uh, uh, less of wrestlers than Stevie Ray. Oh, for sure, absolutely. I mean, um, uh, I'm trying to think some of the matches he's had for the title. Hell, even take. Uh, I, I mean, so some people would disagree with me because he's in the Hall of Fame and stuff like that. But I think Stevie Ray's a better wrestler than Big Box Man. I really do. Um, at least they're admirable or equal. Yeah, I would say they're equal. And, 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 you know, that was the the main event for the first Nitro, you know? What? Uh, uh, um, Hogan, Hogan and uh, yeah. Uh, Bubba. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he was Big Bubba. Big Bubba Rogers. Yeah, yeah. I remember that. Yep. No, I was always a Big Boss Man guy. I liked him. He was he was the first. I loved the, the first Big Boss Man gimmick I did. Yeah. But he was, let's just be real, he wasn't the greatest wrestler of all time. No, but he moved He moved well for a guy his size. I guess you're right. You know? And when they turned him into a good guy, it was I, I mean, I looking back on it as a kid, like, I used to be scared of him. But Were you? As a kid, yeah. But you know what drew me in was when he used to handcuff guys to the ropes and beat them after the matches. Oh, it was a heel, yeah. Yeah, and that's what kind of made me like him. Like, I, it's like the one of the first... One of the earliest conscious memories I have of like me liking a heel, like our, I would say probably say like Arn Anderson and Tully Blanchard were like the first heels I really liked as kids, yeah. and not far behind that was Boss Man, like where I I I enjoyed him as a as a bad guy. Um, I liked him more as a face, believe it or not. That the uh, him I did and, too, but it was his nails was awesome. I, yeah, I thought that was good stuff too with uh, with him and Nails, and it, and it looked real. I remember when I was a kid and I watched like when Nails beat him up, and then I used to have the subscription to the magazine, and they yeah. showed like the exclusive footage of like Boss Man in his underwear, and like he's got like all the bruising all over his body from the nightstick beatdown. Like I thought that was like some pretty heavy stuff, um, and you know made you made you invest in in the big Boss Man character itself. Um, but yeah, we're 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 going off the rails here a little bit here talking about a guy who's not even in this match. Yeah. But um, you know, uh, Booker T, Stevie Ray, Luger, Giant, number one contender for the world heavyweight title. Um, spoiler alert: Luger would end up winning this match, um, and then he would go on to uh, to he would go on to main event um, Nitro. Um, against Hogan in August. Yeah, he um, won, and he won the title, and then he dropped it six days later at the <laughs> pay per view, which was which was pretty silly. It was kind of silly. Well, granted, he dropped it because of shenanigans. So, 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 so it, when you lose your title, when you lose your title in six days, it, you know it look that strong. But at least it was was like shenanigans. It wasn't like a Sasha Banks thing where 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 her first every title offense she has. It's gonna be a clean finish, you know. Oh yeah, no, I mean they had to they they had to make up because the, because the victory was so strong, um, that uh, you know yeah he they, won they the had, torture rack right yeah he won with the torture rack and yeah. it was like huge it was on an episode of Nitro I think it was like the the um, 
I want to say it was like an, an anniversary edition of Nitro, the hundredth episode of Nitro. That's what okay. it was. It was the hundredth episode of Nitro, main evented, and it got a really strong rating. Um, the match was great. You know, the crowd went nuts. The finish was good at the end. All the WCW guys came in, and you know, you didn't see it coming at that time on TV. Um, but because it was so good, like you had to do a, the kind, you had to do that, like you said, that shenanigans type of finish. Even though it was six days later, you kind of had to do that to 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 um, to offset the, the, the great finish from six days prior with Luger winning. Yeah. Yeah, that was a good moment. Not a great match, but it was a good moment. It was weird that Hoagie dropped more titles in on uh, Nitro than he did than he did on pay per views. You know, but Goldberg, Luger, all those are on Nitros. <laughs> yeah. Um because at the time, you know, with the with the war, um you know they were competing with WWF and Raw. They needed to they needed to put all the the, the big stuff on TV, um, and this is the finish here where, like I said, very confusing. It's a tag match. He had him beat. Yeah, come on, Giant. And Giant is basically giving it to Luger, saying, "Here, you deserve it." Which you know it's it's a it's a nice little story. You know that they're friends, and he's offering up his chance at the title to let his friend win. No, but at the end of the day, though, like. Like they like like when wrestling's really good, it's when it's when it's when it's almost like a sport. When, when, when you feel like it's like a you know like seven when when a championship when, it, when like the world championship feels like a game seven of like a finals or something, you know that like you, we have something very special. Like there, that's like storyline bullshit. Like, like like at the end of the day, everyone should always be going for the title, you know. Oh, I agree with you. I think yeah, I think it was kind of. I think they were trying to get like the sentimental um, reaction because it was his friend that, that that you know gave up his title shot. But at the same time, um, I'm right there with you. You know, like from a kayfabe perspective, like if you're not um, if you're not doing you know if you're not there to be the champion, then why are you there? You exactly. Know what I mean? Like for instance, perfect example. I'm glad you brought this up. And I love doing these with you, man, because yep. you bring up stuff that just, like, it like it, it, it makes you think. I've had this conversation with other people before, okay? I love how um, when, uh, you know, they hype up the Royal Rumble every year. And, well, actually, I shouldn't say I love how they do this. But I get rather confused and perplexed um, about this situation. But when they, when they hype up the Royal Rumble every year... Guys just say, oh, guess what? I'm going to be in the Royal Rumble. Well, what's stopping fucking Kurt Hawkins or, um, you know, Ty Dillinger or whoever to decide that they're going to enter their name in the Royal Rumble, you know? Yeah. Like, everybody else does it. Why aren't the younger, why aren't the lower card guys doing it? You know what yeah. I mean? If, like, aren't, don't you want to be the champion? Don't you want an opportunity at the title? You know? That's why I feel like when it comes to, like, Royal Rumbles and stuff, they should have... They should construct it where, like, the guys earn an t- opportunity into the match. Oh, it's really qualify great. Qualify for it, you know? Instead of, like, saying, I came out here to announce that I'm going to enter the Royal Rumble. Yeah. Like, okay, that's great. But, you know, how did you earn that, you know? Like, in this instance here, like, with Giant offering up the title shot to Luger. Yeah. It's, it, it, for me, like... Oh, here, Miss Elizabeth, Macho Man. There's a funny line in this. I thing. love this rivalry. This is, he's fighting DDP, right? Yep. I love this rivalry. Uh, Miss Elizabeth. Oh, man. Smoking. Yep. I, oh, man. I, 
she like I said, my first my first celebrity crush was Miss Elizabeth. <laughs> I love the line here. I, I I watched this back earlier this week to prepare for this. Um, spoiler alert. I had to do some research, and Savage says uh, to Elizabeth right here, he goes, uh, you wouldn't mind uh, for, if I uh, invited in between 14 and 22 girls to the celebration, huh? <laughs> and she was just like, oh, no, not a problem at all. Not a problem. I like it. <laughs> um, but just the fact that he, like, specifically said, like, 14 to 22 girls, like, it wasn't, like, a good roundabout number. There's uh, Kenny Powers in the background, yep. <laughs> uh, probably waiting, uh, waiting to take a piss. Um, but yeah, no, this rivalry with Savage and DDP, I loved it. Um, did he ever? Did this rivalry ever get a title match, uh, like a like a world title match to it? No, they. That's didn't. a shame. Um, That's an absolute shame. That should have been the um, what you call it? You know, the final match. What, 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 that, that, uh, the rubber match. The, yeah, that should have been. Uh, yeah, that 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 should have been. Uh, that 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 shows that should have had they could. Concluded the rivalry with one of them being the champion. Well, they had a series. This was the first match in the series of matches that they had in 1997. Um, They would end up having a uh, a second match um, at the Great American Bash, which had like a like a Falls Count Anywhere kind of vibe, like a no DQ kind of vibe. And then um, later this year at Halloween Havoc um, in 1997, they would have like a Lights Out Sudden Death. like a last man standing kind of um, match at that pay-per-view, which we're probably going to do a, uh, a watch party uh, here on kicking out of two of that pay-per-view Halloween Havoc 1997 once October rolls around. But um, the, uh, the rivalry was very intense. And, um, you know, I remember watching this as a kid and I, I liked DDP. The diamond cutter was getting over, but I was like surprised that he was going to be wrestling Macho Man, and I was surprised that this was going to be the main event. Um, I really was. I, as a kid, I didn't see that coming. I oh, thought, wow. we're not going to get like a Hogan match tonight. No, or? Hogan's not on this show. Oh wow. Yeah, and that was you know part of Hogan's you know big contract was that he didn't work all the big events. You know? Gotcha. Um, but you know, in hindsight, being twenty twenty, it was good that this match was the main event because it really yeah you know showcased DDP and really you know it was his coming out party against Randy Savage and it was actually Randy Savage who had requested to work with DDP um he was the one that wanted to work with DDP and he wanted to help bring DDP up to the next level and I'll never forget the story I heard um on a YouTube video with DDP once talking about his you know how much he owed Randy Savage I think it was after Savage died uh he did a video and he talked about how much he owed Randy Savage um because Savage helped make him into a star um, with this match. And it was Savage, I guess, like a few weeks prior in the locker room. Um, Savage went up to, I believe, DDP and Arn Anderson, who was... Arn Anderson was moonlighting as an agent behind the scenes, and he said, um, he said, for the pay-per-view, um, you beat me in the middle with the diamond cutter. And, like, he walked away. And Paige couldn't believe it. Paige thought for sure, okay, I'll work with Randy, but Randy's going to go over. Yeah. And Randy Savage flipped it on him and was like, no, I'm going to put you over. Um, And then the rivalry was just really intense. Like, the stuff with Kimberly the month prior when he beat up Savage and he spray-painted Kimberly with the Playboy. And it was just, 
there's some of my favorite matches to watch of, of Randy Savage was him and DDP. Their chemistry was unbelievable. These matches are, are uh, the, like I said, it's one of my favorite rivalries of all time. Yeah, they they. It, I'll never forget the um, after this match at the next pay per view. Um, uh, DDP had a um, an in ring like promo and a confrontation with Randy Savage, and there was one of my favorite lines in this promo where um, he basically challenged Savage to another match. He was like, "I want a piece of you, you know, like like I didn't get enough, like I want you some more." And Savage and the NWO came out, and the NWO was like flank, you know, kind of like protecting Macho Man, and um, he said, uh, Page said something along the lines of, uh, he goes. Um, he goes. I know where you're gonna be. He goes. He goes. You're not gonna come come for this mat. Come to the match or something like that. He says. You're basically. He goes. I know where to find you. You're at Hogan's house, washing his car and kissing his ass. <laughs> and like the place blew up. And then like the NWO ran in and DDP had one of Macho Man's crutches because he hurt his foot and he was beating guys up with the crutch. Like it was just so, the intensity was just like. You could feel it when you were watching it. Yeah. Like, it was just so good. Well, that really started the rivalry. Uh, the thing, uh, was, was, was it Kimberly or something? Or um, I think I think it was at the at the prior month's uncensored pay per view. Um, they they had that weird match where it was like three teams of four, and it was like a gauntlet style match. It was like the NWO, the Horsemen, and WCW, um, and it was like a like a battle royal type of setting and. The end, Macho Man was in that match. He was representing the NWO with Hogan, Hall, and Nash. And WCW was represented by Luger, the Giant, and the Steiners. Well, they, the Steiners, were, one of them was taken out. So WCW was down a guy. And the Horsemen were represented by Benoit, Jarrett, Mongo, and Roddy Piper, of all people. So it was like three guys would start in the ring. Then like it would be like Royal Rumble style. The clock hits, another guy would come in the ring. Um, and the most team members left standing that team won. Um, so they, they had page cut a promo, um, and they were asking him if he was going to fill in for Rick Steiner, who was taken to the hospital. And before he could even answer Savage and Liz come out with, um, a playboy magazine. And it was the celebrity, um, nudes edition and it was a picture of kimberly you know centerfold mm-hmm. um with ddp as well and i never knew she did playboy she did like a celebrity version okay. of it yeah um and they spray painted nwo all over the magazine and then you know page and savage were kind of taunting each other savage was like up on like the, the commentators area while page was like by the entrance when they were doing the the promo and out of the corner of Paige's eye comes Kimberly, and she's covered in, in spray paint. The NWO spray painted her. So when DDP went to go tend to her, Savage jumped off the stage and he nailed Paige from behind, and then the rest was history. Okay. They just like were off to the races. There. I just remember it just being so freaking personal. I'm like, oh, I'm like it had to be start with with the girls. Yeah, Savage, and you know what the thing too is that like Savage's intensity, um, he. It was borderline scary at times because he put his hands on Kimberly in a few of these things, like grabbed her by the hair and like, I'll never forget it. I'd be like, holy cow. Like, you know, just, it just felt uncomfortable. Even as a kid to watch, like he was putting his hands on a woman so aggressively like that, you know, like you were almost waiting for him to like slap her or punch her, you know? And I think that helped with the intensity and the rivalry between these two here, um, between DDP and, uh, 
the macho man. Yeah. Uh-huh. And I'm glad this is the main event. One of my pet peeves is like have a title match thrown together and be in the main event just to have a title match to be be, be in the main event. That, that uh, the best match should be the main event. I always thought that. I think. Well, I think the 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 best built up match and the match that people want to see should be the yeah, main event. Exactly. You know? um, I'm not of the, the of the the uh, the notion that it has to be a title match. Um, I think depending on the the circumstances, if it's a title match and the story's well built and told, and you know, then yeah, you put that on as the main event. You know, but. Um, if there are under, if there's a, a, a mid card or I wouldn't even call it mid card, but another match on the card that is you know getting a better reaction throughout the build up than the title match, then yeah, it should definitely go on. Like perfect example, we talked about it on the um, on our WrestleMania MVPs Part Two, uh, which you can find over in the archives over at SoundCloud.com as well as the Retromania Pro Wrestling Podcast Network on Podbean. That's right. Search us, search for uh, Kicking Out of Two on Podbean under the Retromania Pro Wrestling Podcast Network channel. You can find all the backlog archives of Kicking Out of Two over there now, which would then result in finding um, our Kicking Out of Two would also be available on iTunes, Google Play. Uh, Stitcher and all of the podcast platforms available. So uh, we're growing. We're not just on SoundCloud anymore. So search for uh, Kicking Out of Two on all of those podcast platforms I just mentioned, and you will be able to find um, all the backlog archives of this show. Um, but no, we talked about it on the MVP show, Dennis, where Sean and Undertaker stole it at WrestleMania 25, and then Hunter and Orton had to follow up that yeah. match and it was terrible. Yeah. And granted, I will say this. <clears throat> Michaels and Taker and Hunter and Orton, the buildup were on par with each other. You know what I mean? There was great intensity and great anticipation for both of those matchups for that WrestleMania. Yeah. And I felt because Hunter and Orton was a title match and because of the intensity in that rivalry that it had to go on last because there was the buildup. Everything was great about it all the way up until the match. Yeah. And then the match fucking sucked. And then the finish was even worse. Yeah. Like that, that, that's, that was a case where like hindsight being 2020, obviously you would expect Undertaker to, and Shawn Michaels to be the main event. I don't see what... See, there was what I'm talking about. Yeah. He put his hands on her right there, not to interrupt, but yeah. put his hands on her right there and shoved her into Paige. Like, stuff like that. Like, even as a teenager, I was, like, a little uncomfortable with it, you know? Because I don't believe in domestic abuse amongst yeah. women. Oh, I grew up with three sisters, so you know my sister. Yeah, oh, yeah, of oh, granted, yeah. granted, that, that's not hypocritical. I'm okay with done right intergender wrestling. I'm okay with if it. If it's done right, yes. Yeah. I'm all bo- I'm on board with you there too, man. If it's done in a way where it's presented But it's gotta look like a sport. Like there like you're right. It looks like it's like you know, like, like he's going out of a way to hit a girl, you know? Yeah. No, I get you. If it's constructed in a way yeah. where it's yeah, no, I, I totally get you. Like um I'll even say this, like when they did that Nia Jax spot in the Royal Rumble a few months back, um, where she, she got in the men's match and, Right. That 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 was for sport. They did they they they, they, had, they had eliminator. They had eliminator. Yeah. Maybe because she was going for the championship. So 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 yeah. Like I said, intergender when it's sport is really good. But when it's just unnecessary nonsense, I'm with you. I feel very very uncomfortable watching. Yeah. That. But um, 
Yeah, and that's how I felt when, when, like I said, Savage put his hands on Kimberly and the way he would just, like, you know, be yeah. so aggressive about it. Like, you know, I love me the macho, man. They're going to be wrong. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> thinking, thinking, thinking. Maybe, I, uh, you know, uh, uh, pull their hair a little bit. Uh, you know, really, uh, really piss you off. How about that, Paige, huh? But, um, yeah, that was just something that I just, you know, was a kid. Yeah, didn't, didn't sit right with me. It's a more extreme, and I and and not to make a pun or nothing because of ECW, but when they used to put girls like poly driving through tables and power bombs and and like DDTs, just like I don't know, that made that really made me uncomfortable. You know what I. I... I'll say this regarding that. Um, I was never a fan of when like Dreamer would powerbomb a girl or Raven would do something to another girl. But the <laughs> be- the best female male moment from ECW was when yeah. Beulah wrestled Fonzie in that bloodbath. And Fonzie in real life like almost lost his job because you remember the story. Yeah, right? yeah. Yeah, where like he behind the scenes he... Uh, he um yeah he that's bad. He was he was working yeah. to try and get ECW guys a job in WCW and ECW you know, Paul Heyman found out and he was supposed to have his last match against Beulah and they had such an unbelievable match with that bloodbath that they ended up keeping Fonzie around. That was him saying I'm sorry. I fucked Pretty up. much, yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. And then uh but yeah, but once again though, that was that was sport. That was that was in a match. You know what I mean? Yeah. But they go out of the way, like you say, that they put their hands on on, on females, whatever. It it really does make me it makes me feel uncomfortable because it's supposed to be a story, you know. And these kids are watching it, and it's like, oh, it's okay to hit girls, or whatever, you know. Yeah, yeah, it, it could send a, a, a negative uh, yeah. connotation to it. Um, you just, we talked about it earlier. You're, this was the era of wrestling where referees just kind of you know let things fly we just yep. saw it a minute ago this match was hey, not, you see, uh, it's, what not, I, it's not a no disqualification match but he just he, he, he used the chair on page the ref didn't disqualify him and now he's beating up the ring announcer everyone uh, people who listen to this podcast probably heard me chuckle five minutes ago when you were talking because the uh, Macho Man was pinning DDP with his legs on her ropes and on, underneath his legs was the ref. You're telling me you didn't feel that? Yeah, yeah, I know that was yeah, that, that was clearly obvious. Yeah, that, um, the, the no continuity when it comes to the, yeah. the way that you know. But but this era, is, yeah, that the uh, that the officiating in WCW was very loosely. Oh God, yeah. It went from it's funny too. Five years ago, if if you throw a guy over the top rope, you're disqualified at WCW. To pretty much uh, Wild Wild West. <laughs> Oh, and, and to be honest with you, Dennis, it didn't get any better because I, if you remember, um, when towards the end when they had uh, done the the Russo Bischoff experiment, um, part of the storyline with Russo and Bischoff was that they uh, they they were going to um, relax the disqualification rule so that you know. Um, let, let these guys really tear into each other. You wanted to make, like you said, almost like the Wild West yeah. of, of you know, the the in-ring action. So you would see guys do run-ins and the referee, you know, in front of the referee clear as day and the referee wouldn't do anything about it. And um, it, it, that, that joke got old pretty quickly as a fan because it took away from, you know, it took away from what I grew up on in wrestling when it came yeah. to the rules, you know, like disqualifications and countouts meaning something, you know? Yeah. Like, how annoying is that when it's like, I don't know, when you're playing tag or something, and it's like, oh, tag, you're right. It's like, no, I'm my invisible force field. <laughs> it's like, yeah, it's so annoying. Oh, yeah. Oh, I don't blame you there. Yeah. I'm, I'm right there. 
Yeah, invisible force. Fall that's what I mean. Like, There's got to be rules of competition. Or like, you know, tag me, no tag back, or some yep. bullshit like that. Yeah, like that. <laughs> yeah. I love it. I love it. That's hilarious. No, no I, they, what I'm trying to say is like, obviously, this got to be. This got to be. It, it, like, like it's, at the end of the day, we got to we got to at least have the illusion that it's it's, it's, it's like a real competition, you know. Oh yeah, I, I agree. You got to get caught up in the story. Yeah, but, but yeah, um, when you get write-ins and no rules, it's like what the what's the fuck's the point? Yeah, yeah, uh, I'm right there with you. But um, I will say though, like even though like they they even though the referee kind of ignored. The, the chair and, and, and Savage breaking the rules with this rivalry, that's something where it was okay because of the intensity yeah. and, and how personal it was. You know, this is an instance where I can get into the, the, the commentator saying, all right, you know, a referee's going to, you know, relax the disqualification rules so you can let these two have at it with each other because everything's, you know, been so personal these last few weeks. Like, I can get behind that because it fits for this setting. Yeah. Not for every fucking match on the card. <laughs> um, that's just how I feel. But the, the defense of that comment, too, look like, sometimes in baseball, you you know, the, the, ump, the ump will allow someone to get hit by a baseball because, cause the, the, because either he did, like, the... Uh, like the the like he, like the like the player hit a home run and showboat, or the pitcher has been kind of loosey goosey with his pitches. This is a, or or even in hockey, like like some sometimes they let those guys beat the shit. Out they of do, each other, yeah. they do. We can because because they're because a if they take control almost too much of it, they're gonna lose control because like these guys need to air it out, you know. Oh yeah. So there was a point to that, but like I don't know, the match man has the belt in his hand, you know. Yeah, he's got the ring belt. The belt. Not the first yeah. time he's used that. If, you, if some of you wrestling historians out there remember, of course, the the impetus in his uh, rivalry with Ricky the Dragon Steamboat, nineteen eighty seven. Oh, of course. Uh, you know where he used the ring bell on his throat. Oh, went for that elbow. Page countered. Feet up. And there's the funny thing. Referee's counting them out. But you didn't disqualify yeah. <laughs> him earlier when he fucking hit him with a chair. But you're going to yeah. count him out. If you're going to throw the rules out, throw all the rules out. Not some of them. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> like, I always liked this referee, by the way, though. Mark Curtis, yeah. He, he never made it to the WWE, did he? No, he passed away. Uh, did he? Uh, uh, yeah. Natural causes? Uh, I believe uh, it was like stomach cancer. Okay. Brian Hildebrand is his real name. Um well, Dick Kick City, my he was, favorites. Uh, he was um, he was a referee in uh, for Smoky Mountain Wrestling. Okay, uh, for Jim Cornette for a number of years. Um, people he never heard a bad thing about him. We've always heard very nice stories about him and his ability to referee a match. Hey, have you ever heard any stories about bad uh, like referees have been like 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 uh, like having heat in the back or like the boys didn't like him? Are there stories like that? Um. Not that I can recall. I think, I'm just saying in general. No, no, no. I'm just saying what, uh, what I'm trying to get at. It's like when you hear these referees retiring or they pass away, you're, you're, you're oh, they're the nicest guy in the world and blah, 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 blah. I want somebody, I want I want one to work. Oh, that was stiff. Oh, oh, he literally dumped him on his bean, man. Holy cow. And now he's going to undress him. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. You get the belt? You, you don't need that belt anymore. Huh? <laughs> Jesus. Oh, my God. He is lacing into him. 
And this motherfucker, he's taking one for the team. Not only did he just get dropped on his head, but now he's getting whipped with his own belt. That's got to hurt. Oh, of course. <laughs> of course. He's not even flinching either. No, he's playing dead. Like, yeah. For real. Like, I mean, I mean, he's, he's probably not, obviously, but like, yeah. <laughs> he did a good job of like really selling it. Um, that was a stiff pile driver too, man. Yeah, I, I oh, dropped it literally right on his head. Like, and that's... You know how people talk about, like, oh, they need to bring back blood, yeah. guys need to bleed more, or the chair shots, or they need, things need to be like this a certain way? I'm okay with people not pile-driving other people ever again. Because that's, that's dangerous. Yeah, I kind of agree. That's dangerous. Like some of these indies, like, they, they have, like, a modified pile-drivers and stuff like that, and, like, they look so good when they get to WWE. It's like, come on, fans. It looks so good. But you're right. Safety's got to be first. Yeah. I mean, Undertaker gets a pass with his tombstone, but no one else is allowed to do the power yeah, But that is such a safe maneuver. Yeah. Oh, here it is. Kenny Powers. There's a safe bet here for Randy Savage Randy Savage victory as uh, he brings NWO referee Nick Patrick into the into the mix and this is going to be the point in the match where um, we see we continue to see some of that NWO friction like we talked about uh, Kevin Nash there looking on. Um, Savage Trying to pick up a limp Diamond Dallas Page. Counter. Bang! Oh, that's awesome. Diamond cutter. Right there. And see that crowd? They just popped huge yeah. for that. Like, that's... If we're, if we're going to talk, you know, greatest finishing moves of all time. Oh, diamond cutter is way up there. Uh, diamond cutter is, like, in the, is in the discussion in the yeah. top five, top ten. I love during know. the... Uh, I'm, I'm sorry to cut you off. No. But, but, but uh, I love during the... Uh, a WrestleMania, uh, uh, oh wow, that that uh, it's so protected too. That that he he took him twenty five seconds to pin Macho Man. He still won. Yeah. But uh, that uh, I just thought it was funny during the uh, Randy Orton, um, uh, uh, Randy Orton versus AJ Styles. There during like one of the last promos, he goes, "How dare you heckle me when you got a rip off of the Diamond Cutter?" Yeah. I just showed, I just showed just uh, just how glorious the Diamond Cutter. Is. Oh yeah, yeah. It's 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 one of those that you know often imitated, never duplicated. But yeah. um, it you know or- Orton's managed to create something with that RKO of his own. But it's a little it different. Would, it wouldn't be possible, you know, without the the, the Diamond Cutter yeah. itself. As we see the NWO uh, making their way, not happy. Um, that Randy Savage lost and not happy that Nick Patrick counted a a uh, fair three count, even though he is in the back pocket of the NWO. Um, now, this was a big, this was the, like like we talked about earlier, this was the, the match that really made Paige into a star, yeah. um, was with Randy Savage and beating him clean and in the middle too, you know? Savage, you know, being a part of the Hogan camp, um Kind of, kind of took that reputation of uh, of the creative control and oh, oh, Nicky Boy is going to take yeah, a jackknife. Kenny knife. Powers is going up for a ride and boom, Oof. jackknife by Big Kevin. Na- and I always like Nash's powerbomb because he would just like let the guy go. Yeah, like he would just, you know what I mean? Oh, Savage not happy now. He kicks. Oh, see, this this yeah. is, this is the part where like I felt uncomfortable and. They even played this up on TV. Like, look, you see Bischoff now trying to get involved. Like, hey, like, come on. Like, you don't need to do this. Like, stop, you know. See, look, he's going to slap her and Bischoff stopped. Like, that's crazy that, like, they were even toying around with this idea in 1997. That's crazy macho, man. Yeah. You got a problem with me? And Bischoff's, like, trying to tell him, no, we don't have a problem with you. 
But yeah, this was some pretty intense stuff. And um, this was the first sign of, you know, the NWO was in it, it, it probably, you know, eight, nine months into his existence. And this is the first time we saw friction within the NWO, um, within the story. Yeah, and now we, yeah, oh! And see, this looked like a real fight, you know what I mean? Like, there was, it was so intense. Like, I love this main event, and I even love this finish here. Um, as it looks like we're, we're, we're getting ready to close this yeah, out. Yeah, that was a fun event. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I, I definitely had a good time. Definitely had their shortcomings, but it had their ups as well. Yeah, yeah, there's, you know, ups and downs like yeah. every event, but for the most part, like, to me, this this show is remembered for um, obviously the, the main event here with Paige yep. and Macho Man and making Diamond Dallas Page into a star. Um, Bobby Heenan, pretty much, you know, declaring that you know the NWO is is in trouble, um, and that was and, and and I think at this point, like, because the NWO were so dominant that like this was a good point to. Kind of show some friction um, with the with the with the group. You yep. know what I mean? I I, I liked it. I, I I was I was cool with it. Um, I was cool with seeing it because I got tired of seeing the NWO steamroll over everyone. You know, as Dusty's here saying, you know, that's right, baby. The NWO, the the, 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 the new world order, if you will. He doesn't like to say the new world order. It's the new world order. <laughs> the new world order. There's a lot of seeds of dissension, friction amongst all the members of the new world order. And Bobby, Bobby, looking, look at Bobby all red faced, like he just, uh, like he just uh, sp- spent a few hours at the bar before he had to <laughs> do his job here, but. um yeah, Dennis, it's been a lot of fun, man. Yeah. It's been a lot of fun. I, I appreciate you taking the time. Yeah, but well, weird event, but good one nevertheless. Yeah, you know, I, I, it, some stuff, we, we, like you said, we found some we, we found some potholes. and some, still, some, I still, and once again, just to recap, still a head scratcher that you had a singles match that had tag team ramifications on it. The next match, you had a tag team match that had single since the singles ramifications. Yeah. Anyway, it was it, it, it was pretty it was pretty silly. I, I will say that. Um, man, thank you so much again. It's been a pleasure. My pleasure um, indeed. Thank you all so much for tuning in, checking us out, being a part of this, uh, this this great watch party. You can find all the links of kicking out at two over in the archives at SoundCloud.com as well as Retromania Pro Wrestling Podcast Network, a part of Podbean. Uh, search kicking out at two um, on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher. Uh, you can hear all the, the archived episodes of Kicking Out at Two. Hit us up on social media, Facebook.com forward slash kicking out at two. Hit the like button if you have not already. If you have, tell a friend to hit the like button. You could do the same thing over on Twitter, but instead of liking us, follow us. That's right. Our handle is at kicking out to k-i-c-k-n-o-u-t and the number two um next week next week we uh we, we get into the talk show format that's right we're going to talk uh some of the greatest moments in wrestling talk show history from the funeral parlor to piper's pit the barber shop and the heartbreak hotel we're going to cover it all cousin bill brown's going to join me and we're going to really get into the thick of things when it comes to the uh the the the, the, the greatest talk show moments in professional wrestling history. Dennis, I know you're going to be back. We're going to do a, uh, a special watch-along in a few weeks uh, covering the, uh, the, the, the Vengeance pay-per-view from 2004. So uh, look forward to having you back for that. Oh, it should be and, a lot of fun. Uh, it's about time, I think, we put this show down for the three count. So with that being said, we will see you all next week. <laughs>